watching Channel 4 News with five-time Emmy Award-winning anchor Ron Burgundy and Tits McGee. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to episode 36 of the Bayou Dragons podcast. I'm joined by Tits McGee this afternoon. Hey, everybody, welcome back, man. Episode 36, your boy Matt, we got Tanner on again, original member of the Bayou Dragons, and I'm joined by Porter... Yet again for another episode, our special guest today, as you've seen before, is Mr. Ryan Warhola. What's up, guys? I really think the special guest is Tanner. Uh, (laughs) Ryan, why don't you introduce Tanner? Like, yeah. So everybody needs to meet Tanner Williams. He's a member of the Bayou Dragons. Yeah. What kind of is that? What kind of tan you got going on down there, Tanner? Is that a farmer's tanner? What have you been Uh, doing, dude? You've been cutting grass. I'm glad y'all introduced me. You know, I'm not a very well seen. I don't even know who the fuck I am when it comes to the Bayou Dragons. I just kind of tag along. Well, that's perfect. That's a, You know what? We just need someone just to tag along, Tanner. Uh, you, I'm need just, to, you need if, to drop If y'all that. notice, they're real tight. I'm just here to fill the space. There's a wall to, here. To, there was a gap of the, the camera that needed to be filled, so that's why I'm only sitting nah, here. You need to lose that victim mentality. You're the backbone of this team, Tanner. <laughs> <laughs> You got the backbone of a lizard. All right, so uh, let's move on to Ryan Warhola. <laughs> yeah. So, guys, we um, we haven't seen much of Ryan or Porter over the past couple of weeks, so really wanted to get together with these guys on this episode and kind of kind of just talk about their experiences, man. They um, they're just living the life, dude. They they've had some cool shit going on. So, um, shit, let's just dive right into it, man. Porter, you were gone. You were in California. I I did make it to California, so. You really Porter, must have Porter, fit Porter right likes in. to join all those groups of uh, LGBTQ, and uh, that's why he was over there. Yeah, Porter, thanks, man. Taylor, you didn't waste any time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you come soon, back on, dude, and you t- just immediately t- start flaming uh, Porter. Hey, <laughs> shot, and I took it, dude. Tanner literally said before the podcast, he goes, "I'm just gonna sit over here and not say a word." As soon as <laughs> yeah, I hey, say, "Y'all fucked me right off the bat," and called me out, so I'm calling you as out. As soon so. as I say one thing, Tanner goes, <laughs> "Ah." <laughs> You're gay. Like, okay, cool. Uh, um, anyway, so let's talk about my trip first because Ryan's a lot cooler than I am. and You don't want to follow that. I don't want to follow that. I'll let Tanner follow that. He'll be like, oh, I mowed some lawn. I went to Disney World. I went to Disney That's literally World. literally what I do every fucking day. You mow oh lawn God, and go to Disney, World. to Disney World. I haven't <laughs> been to Disney World in uh, a long time. Don't let him lie. Yeah. Don't let him lie. And bro, plus, he has stock in it. Plus... Disney World has went to those groups that Porter went and joined in California. So I'm probably not going back anytime soon because uh, those are Porter's types of groups now. Well, yeah, too bad you have money in them. Um, You will not find any self-censoring on the Bayou Dragons podcast. All right, I'm just going to – that's just a spoiler alert. All right, God. So here about a week and a half ago, I'll just go into my story first, and y'all just listen. Pay attention and listen. All right, so me and my wife, my beautiful wife, decided to go on a nice road trip because Ryan was going to Africa. So I was like, you know what? Let me try to do something that can match them in the States, which nothing close, but, you know. So she doesn't like driving long drives. She's like, look, let's – because Texas is so big and we're on the most southeastern end. She's like, let's drive to, like, Lubbock or Amarillo first day, you know, rest. You know, give us some time. Go ahead, Porter. Sorry. And uh, Cabernet. 
I totally uh, I shafted her on that, and we drove all the way to Albuquerque, New Mexico. You shafted your wife? I shafted my wife, yes, uh, goodly. And uh, we drove to Albuquerque. It took about 13 hours, got there, you know, kept it very mild, few drinks, dinner the first night, but I had scheduled a hot air balloon ride the following morning. So we, you know, I don't know if anyone ever has been on a hot air balloon. I know you haven't because you just mow grass and go to Disney World. Yeah. Um, I've been in a fucking blimp. That's about it. <laughs> Probably the Goodyear blimp. <laughs> it was. Okay. <laughs> it you, was the Goodyear blimp. You I got, son of a bitch. I won a fucking thing for Oh, it. you won it. All right, so Tanner's been on the Goodyear blimp. Yeah, so it's just cooler than a hot air balloon, by no, the way. No, it's not. <laughs> not even close. Anyway, so. This is going to be fun. I can already tell. The again. Goodyear Go blimp flies over all of the football games and NASCAR. <laughs> Bro. All the shit, dude. I got, dude. To, I got to ride in that thing. Yeah, How is that not cool, dude? It's not at all, <laughs> all right. actually. So, yeah. By the way, uh, I'm not here. So <laughs> continue. All right. So, we get there. We're the last situation. We go to this big shop, and there's like nine groups of people that are going to fly today. We're flying with twelve different people plus our captain equals thirteen. I did third grade. And um, we're the Barely. last. We're the yeah. we're the last people to get there. Our dude, he's young, nice mustache. And I'm talking young, like I. He might not be 22, with a nice mustache, and he's like, fucking hauling ass, trying to get up in there. So we get up. We're the first ones up, and the last ones to arrive. You know, we're flying around. Good time. He's just bullshitting. and we're talking. And I'm like, he's like, yeah, no, we do like uh, competitions and all kinds of shit. I'm like. You race hot air balloons? He's like, no, we don't really do that. But you, you'll be ten miles away from like a designated spot. You lift up and you have to land as close as you can to that spot. Mother Nature could fuck you. Who knows? Last year he like was eleventh out of four hundred and fifty people. So I was like, I trust this guy with at least half my life. And uh, so many. Hello, and um. Long story short, you know, we see Albuquerque, New Mexico, beautiful, up at 15,000 feet in the air. We're coming down to descend. I'm like, how fast are we going? He's like, oh, we're going like 23, 24 miles per hour. I'm like, it doesn't feel like that when you're just kind of gliding in a balloon. But when we started getting close to the ground, going over the houses, and you're going on cruise control 25, it's like, oh, shit, we're going pretty quick. Do you ever just think to jump? Yeah, three times. Like commit suicide? Is that what you mean, Matthew? Uh, I mean, I don't think when you have that thought that that word enters your mind, but you just kind of look over the edge and you're like, dude. Yeah, no. That, I just, you know, when I'm 12,500 foot above like a building, I'm like, I want to jump. You could yeah. do that thing that live. those parkour people do where you land and then you just roll to your back and you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you had 13 seconds of free fall. You just landed on your knees and then onto your back, and you're fine. Oh, man. That'd be the best 13 seconds ever, though, dude. Yeah, dude. Out with a bang. Yeah. Hopefully, I'm erect. Um, <laughs> the erection might help. <laughs> like that scary movie where Charlie Sheen jumps out, and he's got that erection, and it just splatters onto the concrete. Yes. He ate, like, 100 
Viagra's because that cat or something bullshit. What the cat movie is this? Scary movie four. <laughs> you just got it. Yeah. I can't remember exactly the the situation, but he had like a hundred Viagras in his system and a cat. He was was trying to to off himself and he took a bunch of Viagras and rather than kill himself, his erection got (laughs) about the size of a two by four. Sounds like a Friday night for Colby Dimbo. (laughs) Yes. That was my God. Shoes, baby. Yeah. That dude over here, dude, eating that shit like peppermint patties. Um, Anyway, yes, Matthew, I do think about jumping out of balloons at 15,000 feet. Obviously, throughout that whole conversation, I meant with a parachute. Yeah, no, I, I did. Because uh, I have jumped out of a plane twice, and I was like, I could jump out of this. That's easy. Yeah. But um, anyway, well, as we're coming down, the dude's like, excuse me, I have red wine in my system. Uh, the dude's like, all right, see that soccer field down there? Which we're still like probably six or 7,000 feet above like the soccer field, he's like, we're going to touch down, barely touch the ground, and we're going to jump that barbed wire fence at the end. And then my crew's going to come and, like, unload us. I'm like, all right. Like, why can't we just land on the, the soccer field that we're going to? He's like, yeah, we can't drive through it, so we're just going to skip across it. So we are hurtling down at a pretty quick pace for, I would think, a hot air balloon should be going. And I, I was just expecting, like, impact, and he just softest little touch and glides about seven inches above a barbed wire fence going about 24 miles per hour. And I'm just like, oh, wow. Lands in the parking lot, beautiful. We're all good. Next day, go hiking. Yeah, everybody's been hiking, you know. Super fun, but I don't have to sit there and tell you about the rocks and the yeah, trees. You, you walk for an extended period of time. <laughs> yeah, I walked for an extended period of time. So then the next, after that, we headed to Arizona. We went to um, Vail, Arizona. If you've never been there, it's beautiful and a shithole at the same time. I got to say, man, as a guy who hasn't seen, like, I've seen a lot of the country, but like, just that's so exotic. Like, so Porter was showing me some videos earlier and. Dude, the red mountains and, like, the big cliff faces and all that shit. Like, dude, I'm a homebody. I stay at home a lot, you know, and we go on trips. It's, like, once a year or so, and we go to the same places because we love them, you know. But, holy shit, that was beautiful, dude. No, it was super beautiful. I, I kind of cut, cut it short. On the way to Vail, which is 30 miles south of the Grand Canyon, we went to the Petrified Forest uh, National Park, and... I think there's only like four, like I'm going to get reamed for this. There's like 46 or 47 national parks. And we did two of them on that trip, which was the Grand Canyon and the Petrified Forest. But the Petrified Forest, you have like seven different, like, uh, I don't know how you put it. Not geodes, but like different terrains. Yeah. Whatever. I, Ecosystems, Eco, Yeah, not that someone's going to be like, oh, dude, he's dumb. Someone will correct you. No, it's okay. We'll take that. Yeah. We'll take that criticism. Yeah, that's fine. But, so, so like, let us know in the comments what the hell Porter's thinking about. Yeah, what am I thinking about? I haven't drank anything. Um, but it's like hundreds of thousands of acres of just like, they have the painted desert, and there's like this blue desert. There's the petrified forest. There's this and that. So like me and my wife hiked all that one day, went to Vail, and we were out in the middle of BFE and stayed in a little tiny home, glass, like, on every side of the house. 
you got this. If you've never seen stars, go to Arizona and go out in the middle of the fucking desert. Have you a glass of wine and just stare for four and a half hours. And and if you've never seen Porter perform intercourse, next time he goes, go out to Arizona and go outside that glass house and just watch. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't say impressive, but it's something to see for yep. sure. It's pretty pretty amazing how <laughs> good his wife is satisfied. <laughs> Tanner's out of it, dude. All I right. got to tell you guys, Tanner's been on the golf course today, so he's... <laughs> No, I'm just season. sitting over here trying to figure out how to hammer my guys as hard as possible. YouTube.com slash Bayou Dragons, and you can see just how red Tanner is. He looks like a lobster. Yeah. Red? Right now? You're red. Bro. Yeah, bro, you're pretty red. You look poached. <laughs> Damn. That's you look correct. That's good. Poached. No, I know, man. You're glazed. Yeah. I was only on the golf course for like six hours. Yeah. That's, that's, what, that's what happens when you shoot triples on every hole, man. No, I actually shot the best game I've shot in a long time today. It's oh. the guys I was playing with. Oh, a 96? For trash. No, I actually shot a 91. Ooh, oh, that's, that's pretty good, man. That's not yeah, bad. That's what did you shoot bad. today, Andrew? I shot a 86. Jesus. That's Andrew, not bad. Andrew, Andrew is Christ. our spectator over here. He's, he's over there laughing the at us, and he's like, oh, What's yeah. funny is you shot a 91. I, I shot a terrible game no, today, but no. I shot an 86. No, you shot a 91 at Bayou Den. He shot an 86 at Tour 18. Yeah. Which yeah. is which is like a fucking 72 at Bayou Den. Probably, yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, like a sep- that's like a 72 at Bayou Den, yeah. yes. Well, you should have seen the other shit the guys I played with shot. No, so. Okay. Well, I'm going to send them this link so they know you're bagging oh, They already them. know because I told them I was doing a podcast tonight. So, <laughs> Good deal. <laughs> um, Let's continue, Porter. Anyway, yeah. so we Let's just cut all know, that out. No, we need to keep that. We're uh, in Vail, Arizona. Uh, and I want to say this with full, like, that is the the biggest, like, state for squatters, like homeless people, and not home oh, homeless, but not homeless people. They just go put shit out in the yard, and after three years, you can claim the land of the state. It's the most insane thing. I'm not going to go into the whole deal, but just type in Arizona squatters, and you can go and just put some bullshit like an old car out in some Damn. land. You're going to start an epidemic now. I don't You're promoting care. it. Okay, good. No, it's, not, it's too late. Then people got that shit locked down. They know how, they know what they're doing. We are driving. I was wondering why, like, there was a boat. There's literally a boat in the middle of the, the desert. desert. The desert. We're in the desert. And I'm like, why is there a boat out there? And then I figured out that if you, if you are within 100 yards of somebody else and you have a piece of property of your own that has your name on it, and after three years, like, you own that. So you can own like a half an acre in Arizona for nothing. You just have to leave something out there. So you could put a Yeti cup. As long as you add an improvement every single year, like put a lid on it, then put a straw, you own a half <laughs> acre of land. It's oh, literally yeah. that easy. It's a Bayou t- Dragon sticker. Yeah, yeah put yeah, a Bayou yeah. Dragon sticker on it. That's I don't a, know if that's an improvement or a degrading. <laughs> they might just, they might take your cup. <laughs> but uh, so we did that. Next day we went down to, uh, New. we drove to Newport, California. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a buddy of mine, Dylan, down there that lives. Him and his dad, Michael. And uh, they gave us a free room and board for the night, you know. Had some nice Mexican food. They drove us around the yacht club. Super, uh, super nice of them to take us in and had a great time. Following day, we drove up to L.A., which the only reason I went to L.A., and I'll just tell you here, 
I wanted to go to the comedy store. So we made a day out of L.A., you know. It, L.A. is pretty trash, honestly. But we went to the comedy store, watched some really good comedy that night, had a blast. Left from there, and we went to where the pinnacle of our whole trip was to go to Napa Valley. The climax. The climax. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the climax of our trip uh, was to go to Napa Valley, Sonoma County. So we showed up there. Long story short, I drank a little. No, I didn't drink enough. I just, I drank a lot. A lot, a lot. Got super intoxicated, wasted. Um, had a great time. Uh, if you've never been to Napa Valley, Sonoma County, anywhere like that, go. But you only have to go once because Fredericksburg, Texas is a lot better. And I'll, I'll put that here on live on the Bayou Dragons podcast. Fredericksburg is better than Napa. And if you're from California, eat my ass. Uh, yeah, spoon. So. With a spoon? With a spoon. And then after that, we kind of just headed back, you know, D- drove back a mm-hmm. few days. A couple hill storms. Oh, yeah. Tan- I called Tanner. The first time I talked to Tanner, 11 days. Oh, I'm man. like, of course, it's as soon as I'm coming into El Paso, I'm like, hey, man, how's everything been going with this? You know, blah, blah. We're talking. And I'm like, in the middle of our conversation, the gnarliest hellstorm I've ever been a part of in my life, in my 28 years of existence, I'm talking golf ball size hell, water over I-10, gnarliest fucking weather. I'm on the phone with Tanner. I'm just... Yeah, I mean, I, I think I initially called you for a question over something. I don't remember what, and... Uh... I could hear in the background, you were just like, man, you know, I've, I've gone through some fucking hellacious hellstorms, and I'm, I'm, I'm just now getting into El Paso, and I'm like, oh, you know, that's cool, you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden, it just like, it's like a goddamn storm over the phone, and uh, I was like, what the fuck? I was like, what's going on? And, and you, the whole time, you're just talking calm and collective, and... I'm like, what the fuck is that noise, Porter? Like, I, I I can't understand what you're saying. He's like, oh, I'm just in another hellstorm. <laughs> like, God, like I'm talking so like a fucking hurricane. Delaney was yelling. It sounded at- like people were just beating the shit out of his car with a baseball bat. It was. That's terrible. what it sounded like. And uh, over the phone, you know, I'm just on the phone. Yeah, that's pretty accurate because Delaney was screaming at me, saying, "Slow down, Porter! You're going to destroy my car because I'm yeah. going 85. Water is rooster telling behind me, and there's golf ball size hell smashing your window and she's like what the fuck are you doing i'm just like I'm, yeah, good I'm, thing you are in a toyota we are in a I, thought, I thought she had a volkswagen no we're not german <laughs> my bad dude we're not we're not i thought she had a piped out volkswagen with like a fucking standpipe out of the hood blowing yeah, rolling diesel coal. engine yeah man yeah that's actually what she has i'm just lying oh my bad G. she my doesn't bad. have a forerunner she has a volkswagen Anyway, so, you know, I had a great trip, a trip that you could take your old lady on. But then um, the whole time I'm doing this, I'm just imagining myself in Ryan's pants. I mean, shoes. Hold on. Hold on. Stop. I'm a, I'm a bit ashamed of you right now, Porter, of that entire trip. You mentioned that your highlight, um, what was your highlight of the trip? You said Napa was supposed to be the, the pinnacle. That was the pinnacle. Your absolute climax should have been... When you met up with our good friend uh, and follower, 
Max the Black. Yeah. Now let's go ahead and give Max a shout out. So I'll, actually, I'll just tell you about that night. So, I don't know. I didn't hear back from you after that. I think. Yeah. I think he might have put you in the dirt. I don't, I don't know what happened there. Did bro, he get he you good and drunk? Yeah. Yeah. I will give Max the Black all the credit. So. Did this that dude exactly- drink or what? I gotta know. Jesus Christ! <laughs> have you ever seen a fish in water? This son of a bitch here. So is in his element. Huh? If anyone doesn't know or hasn't listened to the podcast, Max, the Black—that's his Instagram name—is um, he's been following us since day one. He has bought, you know, he's been a supporter of the podcast. He's been a supporter of our brand. He's bought all our shit. We're in contact with him. He's a good dude. Well, the, I guess our most previous podcast, episode 35, I said I was going to Napa, which was only 45 minutes from where Max the Black lives. Well, he reached out to me. We ended up meeting up the night after Napa. So the day of Napa, me and Delaney went to five wineries, did five tastings plus three or six bottles. And uh, so I was in no, like, way capable of like being sociable with anybody so we went back to our little condo and uh slept for like two hours and i say we she did i was awake drinking the whole time like an idiot she took a nice nap she was the smart one we went met with max the black at that like river green river tap house or whatever on the this place, he always uh, Snapchat him, and he, he goes in there all the time, and he sends me videos. He's like, dude, if you guys ever come out here, this is where I'm bringing you. Yeah, well, he brought me there. <laughs> this dude that, you know, we've only known through social media. And at that, only known from the videos that he sends us of just pounding beers. Pounding brews. Pounding. Well, we show up, and look, I'm going to – I will get to where I'm talking shit on him. We, um, we show up. He's late, of course. There we go. Never Where's met him shit? before. He shows he shows up late. I'm like, okay, this is a good at first impression with this dude. You know, we're drinking beer. It's a pretty cool little bar. I think it was called like Green River Tap House in some bumfuck nowhere, California. And uh, he shows up and he goes, "Hey man, he's a, it's big. He's big. <laughs> I'm talking like he's like five, six inches taller than me. Definitely outweighs me by like thirty or forty pounds." Yeah. With a gnarly fucking mustache. Gnarly mustache. Big cowboy hat. Come on. Like, I'm like... You're in the wrong spot, buddy. Yeah. Like, this dude walks in. I was here. I'm just like... Jesus Christ. You knew. I just knew. So, we we drink a couple of beers, you know. Not going to say we pounded a couple of beers. Drank a few beers. And he goes, you know what we do in California? Like, I don't gay stuff you know he's just like nah dude he's like I'll be right back (laughs) he goes away and he comes back with two glasses not shots glasses like mugs he goes oh dude that's just a double jack and coke like you know we both have double jack and coke in California you see you can just chug it the fastest I'm like like I horrible. First yeah. of all, it's Jack. I mean, yeah, trash. Jesus Christ. And I told him, I was like, trash. I was like, I was like, Max, I don't like Jack. He's like, not a bitch, are you? I was just like, uh, there, that's all you gotta say to Porter. That's all you gotta he say. Said, You're not a bitch, are you? I was just like, damn, this dude I've never met that follows me 
I guess I got to do it. So I thought I was being hard. So we're like, all right. We did a little toast, hit the counter, and we went up. And I'm sitting there like, you know, drinking this Jack and Coke, which Jack and Coke, both trash. Separate or together, trash. I turn over. He's already done. He's chewing on ice. Oh, shit. And I haven't had a shot. I was like, I set it back down. I was like, what'd you just do? He's like, I just opened up my gullet and let it all flow through. <laughs> so I swallowed a few ice cubes. I'm like, oh, you're a freak. <laughs> freaking nature. You're a freaking nature. And he's like, yeah, man. So I sat there and nursed on this Jack and Coke that he had bought me for like four of his beers. And then he goes, you know what we do in California? I'm like, oh I'm like, fuck. I was thinking another Jack. He goes, nah, man. I just bought the whole table, his wife, my wife, shots. And then he's like, we get done. He goes, you know what we do in California? I'm like, I can't stand a, it, dude. I'm like, Please I don't, don't tell me what you do in California anymore. I was like, I don't. And then he went and bought another shot. I ended up taking like three shots, a double Jack and Coke, 17 beers. After a wine trip, I just... Long, I woke up the next day, and I was like, whoa, fuck, how? I was like, how? <laughs> what happened? I messaged him. I'm, I swear to God, it's like 930. I was like, dude, fuck my head, man. He's like, oh, yeah, man, we had a good one, huh? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, man, we got fucking whacked. He's like, yeah, and then sends me a selfie of him drinking a Coors Banquet <laughs> at like 830. Shit. I'm like, Ow. Why? Oh, my gosh. What are you doing? I, I was waiting on the very last thing he said to be like, you know what we do in California? And then he brings out a wheelchair, and he's like, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, you're not going nowhere on you're your not. own two feet, buddy. I didn't leave. I, I basically slugged out. I look like Jabba the Hutt. I slugged <laughs> out of there because my ass was not walking. Because we kept going from inside, outside. I was smoking uh, those Echo... Echo bars, whatever the fuck they are. Oh, yeah, Esco bars. Esco bars. Yeah, dude, I hit one of those. I thought I was in fucking heaven. Bro, that yeah, shit hit dude. me like... The first one or two is good, and then you, the rest after that, you just you yeah. just feel bad for yourself, man. You just want to go lay yeah. somewhere and breastfeed or something. Yeah, no, it definitely hurts my feelings. But the first one hit me, and I was like, I'm in a hole, and it's raining pigs. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it just wasn't good, man. But Max the Black was a... He was a treat, and I hope... Well, actually, I won't even say I hope you're listening. After you listen to this, Max, <laughs> I, know I appreciate listening. your drinks. Uh, you're insane. Hey, shout out, Andrew, our, uh, our, our uh, production crew back here for uh, keeping us hydrated. Yeah. Down Thanks, the man. line, down the line, boys. Cold beer coming at you. Who's drinking a Miller? Me. All right. Man, Andrew's good. I can't wait to fry it. Oh, this ain't going to be out till after his birthday. So, yeah, no. Happy birthday, Andrew. Happy no, birthday, not, Andrew. No, it's not Andrew's birthday. It's Robert's birthday. Oh, right. Yeah, I'm going to say it's Porter's dad's birthday. Oh, hey. <laughs> so, <laughs> Robert's going to listen to this and be like, we're talking about it. Robert's 60th birthday is tomorrow. Jesus Christ. He's 60? Okay. Take it easy Go on it, buddy. What else do you want to say? No, I love Robert. I that. ain't nothing wrong with it. I just didn't, I didn't realize he was that old. <laughs> Easy. That's only 20 years older than I am right now. So easy. Easy. Hey, Ryan, you're <laughs> old as fuck, too. Ryan but me and Andrew. Yeah, but goddamn. You said that. I just, I, I got to think about that for a minute. Me and Rant, or me and Rant, me and Andrew are going to be cooking like 40 Robert. pounds of white perch tomorrow. And, yeah. you know, for Robert. So when you're listening to this, Robert, happy birthday. Happy Early birthday. birthday. Happy birthday, you bastard. Yeah. Hey, happy birthday. Tanner thinks you're old as shit. Yes, I do. You old bastard. 
Yeah. Anyway. He kicks our ass every fucking year in the tournament, so. Not, not, not this not, year. Not minor Porter. Not this past <laughs> year. Yeah. Not minor yeah. Ryan. Yeah, he did. I, I don't remember if he beat me or not. I don't remember. He might have, but you know what? It I got scared. like sixth or fifth or whatever. I don't remember. Oh, yeah. If you ain't first, you're last. Isn't that right? Well, it was all Keaton, you know. Shout out to Keaton, you know. She 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 caught all the fish and like this. So, sounds like you had a pretty good time out there in California. Shout out Max the Black for showing Porter a good old time. I'm sure he enjoyed seeing you, man. Let's talk about you, Ryan. Um, I want to hear about, and I, I want to get in depth with you a little bit about this Africa trip you just took. You went on a safari hunt, and I uh, see you wearing the shirt now, man. That's uh, what's it? What, what do you got there? What's that? Uh, it says Experience Africa. Experience John X Africa. Safaris. And that's a kudu on it, yeah. correct? Kudu. A kudu. What did so, you just say? Experience Africa? <laughs> kudu? Just go on. <laughs> I, anyways, man, I, I want to hear about this trip, man, and I, I'm I'm gonna let you. I want to let you, you know, kind of give us a rundown on it, man, and, and share your experiences. And um, you yeah. know, I, I got some questions. I definitely got some, yeah, some questions, so. man. So let's hear about it. So first off, Africa was nothing like I thought Africa was gonna be like. I thought it was gonna be plains and savannas and Lion King, malaria, you know, malaria, yeah, mosquitoes, uh, all that. Yeah, no. When I got there, it was below freezing what and it stayed below freezing most mornings below freezing yeah i say that i mean uh when i started my hunt on day one at the uh the headquarters of john x safaris which is called the woodlands and there it's um kind of lower elevation there's some elevation change in there but there's a lot of planes on it and um that first day it wasn't it was cold but it wasn't that cold it was probably in the 40s uh, still colder than i expected luckily i actually threw a couple jackets and stuff in the in the bag but that first day started off uh my ph his name is martin he goes so first day in africa and i said yeah he goes what do you want to go after and i said hey you just lead the way buddy you tell me it's good i'll shoot it so we started off and um on the side of this hill just kind of glass and it was just like everything i've ever done in the west as far as hunting uh mule deer or elk and shot a ninyala which is a spiral horn animal tanner do you Say what was that? Or Ninyala. 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 Yeah, Ninyala. Ninyala. And um, first, I can't. I'm I'm fucked up. The fact that you literally just said you got there as below freezing. Yeah. yeah. And Africa. And fucking Africa. Yeah. So like, so all the shit you said since I've been like in my <laughs> head. So you got to think I got. It's I, fucking June. No, down there it's their winter because they're below the equator. Okay, so yeah. that's yeah. that's so way Tanner, beyond my fucking yeah, mindset. Tanner, I didn't go to school. Geography, yeah. yeah. <laughs> my mother was a world geography teacher, and she said Tanner might have been one of her worst students. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, it's it's yeah. their winter down there. It's actually so this would be like their, I guess December, November, um, uh, when I was there. But so we shot an Ninyala, which was a. Really cool animal. It's not what you would typically start a safari off with. Usually you, like, go out on the plains and shoot something easy. But my pH is like, oh, we're going to go get a Ninyala. So, cool. We shot that. And then uh, we got up on the plains. Before you go on, before you, and I'm not trying to interrupt, yeah. did, you, did you get to taste the Ninyala? Okay. Uh, so, I didn't eat Ninyala on this trip, but every, okay. every night we had game. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to make – I didn't know if you had had the Ninyala. So th- was this no. one of those trips, like – Kind of like uh, the only thing I can think of is like meat eater. 
you know, you, you're on this main hunt to shoot something specific, but on the side you're fucking up something else so you could eat it for the night? No, I mean, so I went in with the mentality of I don't really have a specific thing that I want to shoot, but if you tell me it's something that's worth shooting, I'm going to shoot yeah, it shoot kind it, of deal, yeah. yeah. So we did that in Yala, and then we he goes, let's go. Martin was like, well, let's go up on the plains and look and see what we can see. And uh, we ended up finding some black wildebeests, which were – very weird looking animals if if you don't know what that is google black wildebeest they have like this big puff of hair between their horns and their horns kind of sweep forward and up and he says that's a chief right there and i said chief he goes yeah that means it's a good one i was like oh okay and I, I, I got what chief is you can say it the rest of the trip now i don't know and um so we ended up shooting that and i need to rewind so prior to going to africa i've shot a few long shots not very many the entire time I was in Africa, I don't think I shot anything under 250 yards. Everything I shot was 250. Most everything I shot was 400 to 600 yards. Yeah, you're doing Jesus. some of that Chris Kyle bullshit. What, yeah. uh, what caliber? So I was using a 300 WSM, okay. and everything they have out there suppressed. They can get suppressors. Like, they just walk in the store and buy a suppressor. Yeah, yeah. So now, to get, for them to get a gun, it's like us trying to get a suppressor here. It's completely backwards. Yeah. But anyway, so I was shooting Martin's gun. And um, I was supposed to bring my 30 nozzler that I had built for this trip, but it didn't make it to Africa. It hung out in Dallas, Texas, till I got back. Unfortunately, uh, shout out to Qatar Airlines. Yeah. But um, good job, America. Yeah. So as we That's we shoot not this, America or a Qatar or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we shoot we shoot this black wildebeest, and I think I shot it at like 380, and. Um, we go to lunch, and I'm walking to lunch, and it was Impala, like shaved Impala, like cold cuts of Impala. Did you say shaved? Yeah, shaved. It wasn't yeah. hot shaved. It was cold shaved. You had cold shaved Impala? Yeah. Yeah, it was like just little thin cuts of this Impala meat. I don't know how, how like, they cooked it, but. Like sashimi? No, it was cooked, but it was like, I don't know how to explain it. It was just like a cold smoke, I guess. Okay. Um, very good. And every meal that they have lunch-wise, you have soup. And every soup that I had in Africa was different for all seven days, but every one of them was amazing. I don't even like soup, and I liked everything that they cooked. Yeah, mosquito. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. Mosquito patties. Those are good. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so, so they that. served those on the Goodyear blimp. That, fir that first afternoon, he goes, hey, let's go look for a zebra. And I was like, yes. Zebra is the number one. I would say not my number one thing, but I really wanted a zebra rug. And um, so we go, and we – we go looking for the zebra, and Martin is – the dude always finds something good. They, they call him uh, Norris. And I, the first night I met him, they kept calling him Norris. I was like, I thought your name was Martin. He goes, no, everybody calls me Norris. And Carl goes, we call him Norris because he's like Chuck Norris. He always shows up and finds something. He's always, he's always in the middle of something good, and he's just, he's just Norris of our he's group. He's that dude. Yeah, and he was. He was good. And uh, so we ended up shooting a big old, uh, big old zebra, like giant in terms of zebra. Um, you know, you I hate to say this, but think of a horse, right? An 800-pound horse is a big-ass horse, and that was about the size of the zebra that we ended up shooting. Mm, beautiful. And then that night, we, we go in, and they have, like, a pub, so we started drinking, and their drink of choice is brandy, and I don't know if any of you ever tried brandy, but they mix it with Coke, and it's the sweetest thing in the world, and I could not could, – I tried to do it, and I couldn't do it. Brandy's good. I, yeah. I, I like it by itself. Yeah, I like a slow sip it by itself. But um, the uh, their beer is – a Castle Light and Hassan, and both of them were freaking really good beer. Um, they didn't have Bud Light, Tanner, so I don't know if you'd have made it, you know. <laughs> but 
I love how I'm the topic of this <laughs> fucking podcast. You're, you're like that the end of a, a loaf of bread. They call it the shit heel. Yeah, that's what I call it. But that's uh, what you are for this podcast yeah, right now, yeah, Tanner. And I'm fine. I'm loving every second of it. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Y'all, y'all do what you, y'all do y'all's damage. I, but I want to say like my take I'm back smoking down Lone Star Light. <laughs> my my take back from my first night in Africa was how. Uh, polite the people were there when they when they shook your hand they take their hat off um everybody there is way smarter than everybody in america because they usually speak four languages um they speak uh, a language called african which is something they derived um way back when and it's kind of like a mix of dutch they speak dutch they speak english and they also speak whatever the local tribe is because all their trackers are from the local tribe so they have to be able to communicate um though my tracker spoke english his name was elliot and super nice guy and i'll get on uh, i'll get about him later because he is just unbelievable what he can do tracking wise but um because i i made some shit shots along the way you know anytime you shoot 11 animals you're gonna have a few that were shit shots and especially when you shoot as far as i was but um day two we wake up and we drive like three hours north and we're driving and i've got my garmin watch on i actually got it on now and it has an altimeter in it and we're going up these hills and these mountains and i'm like four thousand feet five thousand feet six thousand feet i'm like holy fuck am i in colorado right now like i don't expect this in in africa it's below freezing at, at some points and um so we get out to this this ranch and you know another thing that i was told when i went to africa everybody's like oh i mean you could do the same thing in texas it's all high fence or, or game fence is what they call it over there it's, or high fence in texas but we pull up some random ass cattle ranch, low fence, and I saw like fifteen different species of game on this cattle ranch, this low fence that we're hunting on. And over there, the the benefit for the hunters to, I mean, the ranchers to allow the hunters onto their property is one, they get a, a small um, fee for you shooting something on there from the safari company, but they also every rancher there has a, a walk-in cooler, and they can sell the meat. You can sell game meat in Africa. So that's how they they make a lot of money is they're selling the meat that you're shooting off their property. And um, so we go and meet this rancher, Raymond, and he starts talking to us. And we were looking for kudu. And he tells us about this bowl that's kind of on the backside of his ranch. And mind you, their ranch is nothing like a ranch in Texas. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, my place is pretty small. And I was like, oh, how big is it? And he's like, oh, it's 27,000 acres. I'm like, pretty small. Holy shit. That's like huge where I'm from. I mean, that's that's. Giant place. Unless you're the king, yeah. Unless you're a king, no one's walking around here with twenty seven thousand acres yeah. that they own. Yeah, lease maybe own. Yeah, it's twenty seven thousand yeah, acres. Especially you're just throwing around like, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Just by the way, yeah. by the way, yeah. I just own twenty seven thousand acres. Also, my penis hits my ankles. Yeah, it's just like holy shit. When he said that, I was like small. I was thinking to myself small. I was thinking. Small is a thousand acres, you know, five hundred acres. Yeah, and um, so we go back to this bowl, and this is a kind of a cool thing. We stopped, and my PH Martin, he goes, "There's usually a nice water buck around this reservoir. Let's stop and see if we can find them." Well, sure enough, we're glassing, and I was like, "I think I see something." And he goes, "Yeah, that's a water buck. Let's get in closer." Well, this reservoir that we get close to, where I'm I'm laying on the bank, I'm maybe ten yards off the bank, and there is thousands of ducks swimming like just past my barrel my gun just right in front of me just swimming all over this this thing and it sounds like mallards 
chatting and feeding calls and everything. Well, obviously, there's no mallards, but it was a yellow bill pintail, um, Egyptian geese. They have white cheek? There was white cheek. There was um, some kind of teal that I I don't have any clue what it was. And then there was um, shell ducks. They don't have red spoonies? No. No, no red spoonies. I just know they have them in Argentina. I didn't, oh, know, they no, had them I didn't know if that was an inside joke. Or no, what. no, no, no. It's a spoonbill that doesn't quack. It actually oh, okay. whistles. Yeah, but it's. I mean, it sounded like you're sitting on a field full of mallards, just just nonstop feeding chuckles and and then pintail whistles. It was really cool. And uh, we ended up not shooting the the water buck. He just kind of got up out of his bed and walked straight away from us. Never got a shot. So we get back in this Toyota Land Cruiser that they drive around in him. Toyota. Oh, Toyota dude, you'd have been in heaven. Everybody drives Toyotas. They're all this Land Cruiser that looks like it's about a 1980s model. And I even asked Martin, I said, hey, what year is this truck? Is it like an 80s or early 90s? He goes, it's a 2023. They still make the old school Land Cruiser over there. Yeah. And um, Thank you. So we, uh, we go back in this little secluded bowl, and I don't know shit about – any of this African game, but we, we, we kind of come to this little gate and we're going through the gate and Elliot points. And then I, I just look up and I see this huge herd of Eland and Eland are a bull is probably 2000 pounds, like a brimmer bull size. And then, um, the cows are anywhere from a thousand to 1500 pounds. And I just see this big old giant one in the middle of them. And I don't know shit about anything. I was like, that looks like a big one. And Martin kind of looks at me, and his eyes get kind of big, and he goes, get the gun. So we run up there, and I make my first shot at like 470 yards. I lay down the gun. Damn. Make the shot. Elon kind of bucks up and takes up off the, up the hill. And then he stops at 720, and Martin calls it out, and he's got a, a dial on his gun. He tells me what to dial, and I dial it. And I pull the trigger, and he goes, you hit him. I just don't know where. And then the Elon runs up to about 820, and he's like, all right, dial this. And the Elon's standing, first he's standing kind of quartering away. And I pull the trigger, and he kind of immediately turns. He goes, you hit him, I just don't know where. Again, it's just kind of so far. So then I shoot, I proceed to shoot six more times at 820 yards. And he's like, you missed, you missed, you missed, missed, missed. And then the Elon kind of walks over into the brush, and we don't see him. So we get together and get a plan, and we kind of like get around on him and kind of go up to where we can get the wind right and come down. Well, the Elon's dead as a hammer there. And right behind the shoulder, there's six bullet holes in, a, in about the size of, like, two pie plates. So I hit him every time. He just wasn't reacting. Just ate it. Just yeah. eating. Yeah, just, just eating it. it. Yeah, just just eating 100 grain bullets like it was nothing. But. Yeah, like me. Like, it was just like <laughs> if you shot me at 820 yards. Yeah. Like that's what hey, it, so yeah. do you think that <clears> – I know with your law enforcement background that you – that, that that helped you out throughout the course of, you know, going out and hunting with – like, especially with a guy like him, you know – yeah, telling you like, hey, hey, you left your firearm, or you yeah. got stuck in Dallas, right? Here's what I got, and then, you know, at, at some point he he probably was was like, you know, you're a hunter, you you know your guns, and you were like, well, yeah, you know, I, I I've been around firearms a lot, you yeah. know, and so I would say the number one thing that helped me using his gun is we had the same exact scope. Yeah. So when he called out something, I already knew what to dial because I have the same scope on my thirty nine. So now it's a different call out for the dial for the yardage or whatever but it was it was still kind of same concept are they on the on the same system that we are over there so it's, it's really weird they use metric but when it comes to shooting and hunting they use imperial which would be yards yeah and um you know in minutes of angle oh, and uh son. 
Yeah, it was a uh, it was pretty cool, but I would say that my old job helped me a little bit, but I shot like shit a lot during this just this hunt, and I don't know if it's just because it wasn't my gun. Or I, I really don't know why, but I, I didn't a whole shoot. different world. I did, yeah, man, did give, it, give yourself yeah, yeah. some credit. He's calling out misses, and you're yeah. landing them. You know? I mean, so. we didn't have a single animal get away from us that we shot or shot at. But if I'm, you think I didn't you shoot like shit at 820 yards, <laughs> and you hit it six, six times. times? Yeah. Hey, if someone's like, bro, I could have knocked him down in one. It's like, hey, yeah. hey, guy that no one gives a shit about. Yeah. Eat my ass. <laughs> yeah. Eight hundred and twenty yards I wouldn't even shoot at. I'd be like, Yeah, let's let's get a little bit closer. I yeah. wouldn't even see it. Yeah. Tanner can't even read. I can't even fucking read, much less see something at eight hundred and twenty yards. <laughs> yeah. If you Tanner, wanna Tanner shot real far this year on all his deer. Yeah. Ninety, yeah. sixty two. And he was the only one that harvested 41. You can't say a fucking thing because I'm the only one that shot (laughs) four deer. Dude, I was there for your first ever deer, so let's not even. First ever deers. One, two, three, and four. If you want to build your confidence, go to our YouTube channel and watch our Northern Series. And in the clips where Porter's got the GoPro on, he was shooting like absolute dog shit. Dog trash. Oh, good. Missed. So if you ever want to just feel good about yourself, you have a bad morning, you're like, man, I couldn't hit shit this morning. You just pull up the channel and you watch those videos and you'll feel all better. If you do want to fuck some deer up, just go buy you a shitty ass Remington (laughs) 30-06 with a bullshit $60 Bushnell (laughs) scope. Uh, I don't even know the fucking range, and uh, you'll fuck some deer up. And just yeah, let you know. three to no, nine, baby. And you, you can, you can, but I don't think we're gonna do what Ryan was doing. But keep going, Ryan, on eight hundred and twenty plus. So, so then we shoot this thing. It's like eleven thirty. Uh, we didn't get off the mountain until five forty-five that afternoon. Just we literally had to cut a trail and move every big boulder out of the way so we could get the land cruiser up there. And then we had to cut the eland in half just to get it in the land cruiser. And at this point, the tires of the land cruiser are almost rubbing as we're trying to get down the hill. But we ended up getting it. And hey, So, uh, real quick, how close were you able to get the cruiser, and did oh, you have to pack out? No, we, we drove to the eland. We drove right up to it. We It took us six hours to get right up to it, but we drove right up to it. I say we drove. We backed up to it because we figured if we drove forward, Martin's like, I probably can't turn around. So he backed the whole way up. Rather back up than down, right? Yeah, and we just, uh, shit, man, we just moved rocks and cut trees. I say we. I did a little bit. I didn't do a whole lot. Elliot did most of the work. And then uh, my cameraman. Altus. Altus did a whole whole bunch of work, too. And uh, so we got that down, and that was the end of, of my day, too. So we go back to camp. And then um, the next morning, it was we're going for a kudu. And that's what we talked about, and that's what that was the plan. And I'm in camp with uh, my buddy Cable Smith, who has the uh, Lone Cable was there. Yeah, Lone Star Outdoor oh, Podcast. Cool, yeah, he yeah. he was the one who kind of organized the hunt. And then um, another guy that I met, Daniel, who I met through Cable, was with us, and we were all in camp together, us three plus all our support staff. I mean, so every guy who was in camp, I had a cameraman, a tracker, and a PH, and two tracking dogs. Uh, Cable had. Carl Van Zyl, who owns John X Safaris, was his PH. And then he had um, a, a cameraman as well, and then a tracker, and then tracking dog. Everybody had, like, their own group of people that was designated was, to them. Was he hunting as well? While oh, yeah, yeah, Cable was hunting too. And um, Cable actually did a really cool duck hunt that I'll 
I'll highlight here towards the end because it was towards the end of the trip. But it, I kind of jealous I didn't make it, but I'm kind of not because I shot something cool while they were doing that. But um, so day three, I wake up and it is cold. Not as cold as day four, which I'll get into in a minute, but it was cold. Way colder than I expected. Like, so when I packed, I was thinking 50s maybe was the coldest it was going to be. And fuck, it was cold. And a wind was blowing, and, and we get up. And, and this is when I learned about baboons and monkeys in oh, Africa. Oh, shit. Here we go again. Yeah, Boy, so. Baboons are some mean motherfuckers. So we come pulling into this piece of property, and we're kind of looking down at this river. I mean, this is like this gorgeous view. You're looking down at this big crystal clear river, and we're sitting up on this big edge, kind of just looking down at this big swath of land. And as I'm walking in, I just see, like, corn cobs like bear corn cobs and corn husk and just shit laying everywhere and i'm like man i wonder if they're feeding these there's goats in this pasture and i was like i wonder if they're feeding these goats like whole corn cobs you know is that maybe that's why they feed their goats around here or something and we start walking walking and uh all of a sudden i hear this and it what the fuck was that and, then, and it's like this weird i don't even know how to explain it i'm not even doing a good uh imitation of it but it's like this like this gruntle just weird sound and I, I finally asked Martin, I go, what is that? And he goes, that's a baboon. They see us. That's what their master warning call. I was like, okay, well, where, where is he? And he goes, hold on, I'll find yeah. him. Should I be worried? When I find him. This fucking baboon was like a mile away from us. And he goes, that's him. You, you see that tree? He's on the top of that tree over there. And I'm like, dude, that's several thousand yards. And he goes, yeah, he sees us. And I was like, bullshit. And he goes, look at my spot and scope. And I look at spot and scope, and I hear it. Actually, I see him open his mouth, and then I hear it like a few seconds later, and I'm like, "Holy shit!" And he's look as he looking right. Oh, he's at just you. looking right at us, and he goes, "That's our biggest problem in Africa is it's it's getting past every other eye. You know, it's bad enough you've got Eland, you've got um, Kudu, you've got Ninyala, you've got water, but you have all these things out in front of you, and you're hunting one animal. And he goes, "Then you have the baboons who just get on your absolute nerve. They want you to shoot shoot them. I never got a chance to shoot at one, but." They're always too far. But um, so we're looking for a kudu, and we spend most of the morning looking, nothing nothing really. We, we see a bunch of kudu, but nothing good that we want to shoot. And he goes, well, let's go back where you shot your eland. So we kind of make our way back in there. And as we're going, we're like, we would stop in specific places and just kind of look. And we, we'd be looking at hillsides half a mile, three-quarters of a mile away, just kind of looking up in there, trying to see if we see anything. I'm... I'm, like, on my glass just looking, looking. I've done enough hunting out west where I'm like, okay, I should be able to see this shit. I can't see a fucking thing. But they got the eye for it. And mind you, I have, like, high-end vortex, like, badass binoculars. (laughs) My tracker Elliot's got, like, a piece of – a pair of Nikons I think were bought at Walmart in the 1950s. And he's like, oh, kudu, up, kudu, Elon, Gimsbach. And I'm like, how in the fuck? Because he's got this. that eye for but it. But he's man. been doing it his whole life, yeah, I man. guess, you know. But um, so he, we, we kind of make our way back in there and we're driving along and we're eating a sandwich. And we stop. And so when you're riding, your tracker's always in the back. They have jump seats in the back for him. And I, I hear him say something to Martin in their native dialect that he talks in. And Martin goes, oh, there's, there's a, he sees a kudu. Let's go ahead and, you know, move the truck up kind of out of the way where the kudu can see it, and we'll kind of get out and walk up and look. And they're looking, glassing, and, and they're pointing, and he's like, yeah, it's a nice kudu, nice kudu. And I'm looking like, fuck, okay, I'm going to see him at some point. I'm looking, 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 nothing. 
And so we, we start, he goes, well, get your rifle. Let's move in and try to get a shot on this thing. So we're, we're kind of making our way in. I still haven't seen the fucking kudu. And we finally walk five, 600 yards and stop. And Martin says, all right, get, get the gun down, lay down on the gun. And I'm like, I still don't know where I'm looking. I have not seen this animal. And he goes, I'll get it in the scope, in the spotting scope, and you can look at it. So he gets the spotting scope, and I look at it, and I kind of, he's got the spotting scope zoomed out so I can see where it is. And I, I get down on the gun and get on the kudu, and he, he goes, all right, 430. It's 430 yards. So we walked five, 600 yards. Now I'm shooting it at 430. And um, I lay down on the gun. He tells me how much wind to, to hold over to the right. And I squeeze the shot off, and he goes, you hit it, but you hit it far back, a little bit far back to the right. And the kudu kind of just runs, and he stops. And so – we could just see the tips of his horns, and we sat there for an hour looking at the tips of his horns, and it finally disappeared, and Martin's like, he probably went down, but let's let's go kind of make a way up there and see if we can't, you know, see if we can get a better eye on him. And Altus yeah. goes, hey, I got my drone. Let's fly it. Let's fly it. Fly let's it go over see the top. It. And he goes, so y'all were looking to make a game plan just in yeah, case yeah. it hadn't gone down. Yeah. You'd get a shot on and him. And Altus is like, man, I got my drone. So he sends the drone up, and the kudu is still standing. But he's hurt really bad. I mean, he's a liver shot. He's going to go down at some point. But one thing I learned about the African PHs is you shoot and you shoot and you shoot and you shoot until the damn thing's laying on the side on the ground. So we make this big move around. And the whole time, Altus has the drone hovering over the the kudu. So he's watching. He goes, ah, it's not looking at us. And we start working our way around. Kind of cheating, but uh, it was it was really cool. It ended up being really cool because we got up on this rock about 100 yards away, and I put two more two more shots in it, and both shots you can it's an overhead view of both shots into the kudu. He filmed them both. No, filmed them both. Oh, on the, that's yeah. awesome. It was really cool. And now I don't know if it's going to make it, it on it the. It still took sh- two shots. Yeah, it so. took two behind the shoulder. Um, kind of one was kind of quartering two, and I tucked it in in front of the shoulder, and it came out the opposite side, and then it spun around. He's like, shoot it again. Put another one in the in the shoulder, and it kind of just laid over and um so this was twelve thirty, and yet again we didn't get off the mountain until 5 five thirty. um we actually had to pack that kudu we packed that one out i say we I, once again i carried everybody's gear and cameras and a gun and everything like that but they cut it in half and they used a big tree that they cut down and ran it through the rib cage and carried it Carried the front half down on their the shoulders. That. That, was that was really the, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, they went back up, and uh, Elliot carried the back quarters down on his shoulders. And, um, <laughs> dude, the, the, I couldn't believe how strong Elliot was. He was not a big guy at all, maybe 165 pounds, probably five foot six, but he was like incredibly strong. I guess just doing that his whole life Man, in those mountains. God, I, I, I just have so much like. My gears are fucking turning over this whole story. Yeah. So, like, for one, you're talking about Elliot and how strong he is, and, you know, that puts into perspective for me where we are, like, over on this side of oh, the yeah. pond. You know, like, yeah. people people over here, we talk about, you know, in terms of exercise and working mm-hmm. out and getting big and strong, you know, yeah. and being primal, right? There's yeah. no. There's no comparison to and the people that are actually living that. And primal. And, and I want to say this, too, about Elliot. Mind you, this dude is just out walking me, out running me, 
the the ground is nothing but like boulders, right? Like small boulders, and the grass is high, so you can't see him. I'm rolling ankles and shit as I'm walking. He's running through this. Anytime that man took a stop, he was smoking a cool cigarette. And just waiting on you. So there's there's that. Plus, you're no slouch yourself, Ryan. You've yeah. been hunting your whole life. Yeah. And you say, like, ah, you know, I wasn't doing shit. Like, I was just carrying this, that, and the other. And, like, but you've been there and done yeah, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah for in, sure. In, in our element, yeah, in yeah. our terrain, right? Yeah. But, man, that's like the whole the whole aspect for them yeah. of, I mean, and for Elliot, that's his livelihood, right? Well, yeah, that's what it does, yeah. But, Holy shit. Yeah. Like, I saw the video of the way they were packing out, and yeah. I'm not sure that it was the exact same animal, but I, I saw the tree video. No, that was they, it. That was the kudu. Yeah, yeah. it was the only one we did like that. Dude, yeah. crazy, crazy as shit, man. And that's, that's like, that I, I want to say, like, in my mind, it makes it cooler for me to believe that that's the, just the way they do it. You know, yeah. and then that wasn't something that they, they were like, oh, we're going to do it this way to put it on for you. That's no, just the that's, way it's fucking done. That's the way they do it. And that was primal yeah. as shit. Yeah, it was, it was really cool. And um, so we get it off the mountain. We go back to camp. And the next morning, he, my PH is like, what do you want to do? And I said, I, I mean, I've got my kudu. I've got my elan. I got an inyala. Like, I don't know what, what else, you know, what do you want to do? And he goes, how about we just see what Africa gives us? Let's just wake up in the morning. He goes, we'll go to the high point and sit. Clear up a story real quick with that song. Nope. Bardstown Whiskey. <laughs> Thank you for the Series 10 114.24% alcohol. It's fantastic. You right. suck. All right. Good. Okay. Go ahead, Danner. Clear out your story <laughs> with that song. My favorite story with that song ever, and I'll be real quick and blunt. I did, no, hold, on, hold on, hold on. We were not recording when I was playing Africa by Toto into the uh, – the microphones. That was just something I was doing for oh, the well, team the story, and for then. you guys. We're really, y'all's, we're y'all's really not recording. I thought that was no, the no, point no, of the fucking recording. song. No. Oh, no, I was just doing that for you guys, man, and I thought that would be a good. All right, Matthew, just play a short builder. segment of that song, real quick. There you go. Go ahead, Ryan. <laughs> Okay, so back to conversation. back to uh, getting into day four. So real quick, briefly, I wanted to kind of circle back. There was a statement you kind of made in, in the midst of your story about the drone, right? So uh, Altus flying the drone, and um, again, Altus, he's, he's filming. He's, he's the camera guy, right? Yeah. I, I, I do the same things, uh, obviously not on that level. I've seen some of his stuff. He's really good. Um, but I got a drone myself, and I think for – um, you said earlier, you're like, oh, it's kind of cheating. But I think that you'd already put a bullet in that animal. Yeah. You know, for you to not use all the tools that you had at your disposal to make sure that you guys tracked down and didn't waste him, you know, uh, let him get away, and then nobody gets him. And then there yeah. you, you just have True. this waste of an animal. So, um, you know, that that that's, hey, we got a drone. Let's let's find this sucker. Yeah, let's use it. Let's use it. Oh. But you guys, you, you figured you had – Oh my God! Are you are we in the rice paddy right now? No, I'm just y'all keep talking. YouTube.com/slash Bayou Dragons. You can see Porter. I don't know what he's doing. He's a strange cat. He's I'm got a, a, a large blade and I'm he's got a, a sun hat. I'm holding a oh. Dow Strong blade. Dow Strong, strongest of the blades. Hey Matt, do you want to pass me down that right here? Yes, cold beverage, inbound. Oh, oh dear, dear God. 
Uh, but before we go back into it, I really wanted to hear what Tanner had to say. Oh, he's clearing up a story, he said. He wanted to clear up a story. Are we about to all shotgun twisted wait, tees? Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait. Okay, so are we going back to the song? Is that what Toto. we're going back to? <laughs> go back to Toto. Okay, so the song Toto. I mean, uh, I mean, Shit. yeah, yeah, that was moments ago. So, um, Matthew started off this episode, I mean, not the episode, but this section of uh, with the song Toto by Africa or whatever, whatever it's fucking called. But anyway... So one of my favorite moments, and and, and I, I I tell this to everybody. Um, Jesus Christ, we're getting Is ready to fucking shotgun twisted tees. Um, so Dal- I'm going to use the Dal Strong. Shh, shh, um, don't say anything. Don't tell nobody. So if I don't know if it was everywhere in America or if it was just Southeast Texas, but uh, Jesus God. Christ, God. that was incredible. But uh, <laughs> fuck yeah, brother. Hell yeah! We used to have this thing in all of our bars and and Waffle Houses, which was the main one, Waffle House. The jukebox. The jukebox. It was the touch tunes. The touch tunes. Yeah. Jukebox. Ah. And uh, so, okay, we had this place in uh, Beaumont, Texas. It was called uh, Ice... Uh, uh, Red's Luke's, Ice House. Red, no, no, it was Luke's. Luke's. Yeah, Luke's. Yeah. Luke's Ice House. Luke's. And uh, I don't believe it's there anymore. But anyway... Um, the few moments in life that uh, we all went to bars in our time. Um, There's this one night I, I, I remember very specifically. Uh, Jesus Christ! So there was this this jukebox. So Porter Porter used to be able to bypass all of the songs, and if you spend a certain amount of money, which it wasn't much, uh, you know, a dollar or so. He could jump in front of all the songs, and, and he could play whatever he wanted at any time. And, uh, man, jeez. Uh, so he picked Toto by Africa at this fucking bar, Luke's Ice House in Beaumont, Texas. No, so, Africa by Toto. Uh, by Toto. Africa by Toto. So uh, we're all sitting out around this table outside, and uh, this giant fucking sound system throughout the bar is playing Toto by Africa. And, uh, Africa by Toto. Yeah, it's Africa, Africa by, by Toto. Toto. What the fuck ever. Anyway, <laughs> Porter has this song on this playlist, and it never ends. So before they changed the rules on that, that uh, jukebox. Touch tunes. Touch tunes. Uh, you could play. As long as you paid the money, you could jump in front of. And I swear to God, Porter played that song 20 times in a row. And these people at this bar were literally losing their fucking minds. Losing their shit. Because the same fucking song was just playing over and over and over. And, over. and y'all know the song. I mean, good Lord, it's not a bar scene yeah. song. Yeah, no it's Toto by Africa. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, I used to do the same thing. And I, they had, I found out they had the... The long version of Freebird on there, and it was nine minutes. Yeah, no, the I'd long version, it, thirteen minutes. Or thirteen, yeah, yeah, thirteen minutes, and I would play it with twenty dollars. But you're not, yes, no, you're not. I would put twenty dollars in the jukebox and play Freebird. Yes, all story's of not my credit. Oh, I'm just saying. So, oh, he's not. Oh, after, well, please continue, Tanner. After this ridiculous amount of time of this song just playing continuously throughout the bar, and people were losing their fucking minds. 
with this this group of guys. Uh, need this one. Uh, we didn't know who they were. They were they were a table over or whatever, and they were older than us and way fucking bigger than us, and uh, they were not happy. Anyway, <laughs> so whatever. Yeah, you know, night goes on. We leave. We left, and uh, we went to Waffle House. Waffle House. We went to Waffle House, and uh, if y'all don't know what Waffle House is, it's a big thing down here in Southeast Texas, <laughs> <laughs> especially at 2 a.m. in the morning. And uh, so we get to this Waffle House, and what do you fucking know? They have touch tunes on the jukebox. So what does Porter fucking do? Immediately as soon as we get there, he turns on Africa. As <laughs> <laughs> soon as we walk in, the first fucking song come on is Africa. And he continues, like, pays the money or whatever it is. I to, would say, like, I'm not interrupting you, I spent probably $85 that night on Touchdowns. Yes. Because yeah. I fast-passed every single person yes. I could, and that's all I listened to for a 17 yes. hours. So we're, we're sitting at the bar, and, uh, yeah. That. So that. we're sitting at the bar enjoying our nice 2 a.m. meal from Wolf House. It's the best fucking thing you could have in Southeast Texas. <laughs> and uh, these fucking, this group of guys walks in and, I mean, immediately lose their fucking shit. In the middle of Wolf House, like, because this fucking song's still playing. And and they're like, God damn it, you know, fucking this song's fucking. Do you remember, do you remember fucking, what they said? They said, I, I'm tired of this Mount Kilimanjaro shit. Yeah. Well, that's too And they're bad. losing their shit. And uh, so so the song goes on, whatever. They sit down, and and uh, we're sitting there just trying not to just fucking die. I mean, we're dying laughing. And so the, it gets quiet. You know, the next song's about to come on. What do you fucking know? <laughs> Africa Vitoto comes on. And these dudes about lost their fucking minds. And we, we, it took everything in our power not to show, you know, it was us. It was I Obviously, it was us. I mean, I, we were the only fucking jackasses in there below fucking 80 years old. I looked right at Tanner. And I said, don't laugh. That's all I said. <laughs> don't laugh. So we're both sitting there uh, serious as we can be. And these two urban gentlemen walk in, one of them packing heat because he showed. He goes, I'm tired of, like, holding a pistol. I'm tired of this Mount Kilimanjaro shit. I'm just like, oh, fuck. Yeah, I'm I mean, about we to just die knew. We knew we were about play, to die. playing Africa And we just kept going. We just kept on going. 87 and times in a row. I don't remember exactly what happened, but as far as I remember, I mean, we just were alive. We walked out of there like badasses and showing, <laughs> showing, like, like, hey, motherfuckers, we're the ones playing it and, and left, and they didn't do a fucking thing about it. And I mean, I just, I'll never forget that fucking night. Anyway, let's continue with right, uh, so speaking Ryan Warhol. So, I'm not going to shot this twisted. What the fuck is Yeah, that? it's your turn. Okay, guys. So nine minutes later, we're back to <laughs> <laughs> went off on a little tear there. Yeah, we, we got on a little tangent, but here we are. I want to know. Um, so let's. I, that was I, fucking awful. Got some more stuff for you, man. But let's let's get into day four, dude. So tell us you you've you've hit a couple of your target animals yeah. going into day four, and where we left off, you said let's just kind of sit, right? So yeah, Martin's like, let's just go get high, um, not high as in smoking weed, <laughs> high, but go get high on the mountain and look down, and uh, so that's that was our plan. And uh, how so, fucking high did you get? <laughs> we got really high. Okay, um, the Garmin tells all. The Garmin tells all. Yes. But so we go to bed that night. Well, it rains its fucking ass off all night. And I wake up and it is 
bitter fucking cold. Like, it's as cold as I've ever been in Montana or Colorado or anywhere else. I've got every stitch of clothing that I've brought with me on this trip on me. And the wind's blowing 50 miles an hour, it feels like. Probably not. Probably 20, but it was still blowing its ass off. And so we get on this highest peak um, in the area. Like, it's. I think you've seen pictures where I'm standing on the edge, and it's yeah. literally the highest thing that you can see. And... I was so fucking miserably cold. I probably didn't glass hardly at all, but Martin did his due diligence as a good guide or PH as they call them. Professional hunters is what they call them over there. P90X. He finds, he finds a uh, Impala and he goes, really good Impala. Let's go make a move. So we, we go around and we get on this Impala and a bunch of Elon scare it. So fuck, we go back around. We get back on the high point where I'm freezing my ass off and looking in the wind. We find it again, but at this point, I've hiked this gun all over the place. It's been wet. It's been cold. It's been hot. It's been shot fucking 30 times now at four animals. <laughs> Probably not 30, but at least box bullets. And um, I can't get it around to go in the chamber. So he's like, fuck. And he goes, mate, we got to go back to the camp. Um, at least we can go have a proper tea. And I'm like, fucking proper tea? What the hell? Talk about that shroom too. Yeah, huh? yeah. So, what are you talking about? Uh, once again, no drugs. Oh. Okay. And, uh, so we go back to camp, and he makes uh, like a hot tea, like you would see with a tea bag. Makes a hot tea. He's like, "You want it? You want it uh, the way we drink it?" Is like, "Sure, whatever." Puts milk and two cubes of sugar in it. And, ah! Oh yeah, it sounds horrible. It was very good. I bet it was. I want to make note that on your Instagram post, you said exactly that. Two scoops of sugar. Yep. Exactly that. Yep. Proper tea is what they called it. And um, everything is proper there. If it's, if it's good, it's proper. If it's a big animal, it's a chief. Um, they have all these little... If these it's little, really, really big, it's shaved. Yeah. Hot shaved. Hot shaved. Hot shaved. <laughs> yeah. But So we go have this tea, and he cleans the gun, and then we go back out, and we end up getting back on top of this high spot, still freezing my ass off, and we end up shooting the, uh, the Impala. And that was pretty much the highlight of day four. We kind of kept it chill and rode around and didn't really, like, get too much after it because it was just so cold and so windy. And they even, they even named their glassing points? Yeah, they called it the Judge. That's wild. Uh, I, do, I did remember reading that one yeah. that I shared. Yeah, but uh, how many question, and this might be uh, not apparent to the story, but how many Impala vehicles did you see while you're in africa <laughs> not, not, none none no, <laughs> nothing, yeah. no, no swangers yeah. no okay no swangers no no. okay i was just wondering i was just i saw a whole bunch of azuzus i didn't even know they made those anymore i've never i haven't seen an azuzu in the states and i don't know how long i know i just know that in the yeah. mind of porter when you say there was a herd of impalas i know what he's picturing <laughs> yeah a bunch of cars yeah. just <laughs> 98 impala, Chevrolet impala <laughs> with, yeah with airbags <laughs> jumping up and down on the landscape i don't know why easy is playing in my brain but we're just uh, we're like, thankful for it. Nothing, we'll but, nothing yeah. but Toyotas over there. Okay. Keep going. But uh, that was day four. That, that was day four. Day four. Day four. Yeah. It's going to day five, and I can't even count to that high. <laughs> so, so, like, you're already doing better than me. So, day five, we wake up, and we're going to go back to the um, original place that we hunted, and we're going to work our way there. And so, we get up and um, make a drive, and we end up, he's like, hey, look, I'm going to stop along the way. And you need to try to find a bush buck. We got to find a bush buck. And he goes, I think it'd be really cool for you to get a, they call it a spiral slam, where you shoot an eland, a kudu, 
an Inyala, and then a bush buck. And he goes, I think it'd be really cool for you to do it on your first safari. And I said, well, let's go. And so at this point, we're driving up the mountains again. But the terrain is – we drove probably an hour and a half towards back towards home. We kind of take this little offshoot. And the terrain is – 10 times different than the mountains I was in where I shot the Eland, the Impala, and the Kudu. Those mountains were real rocky and um, real steep. These are like rolling grassy hills and like big reservoirs up on top and like a conifer tree. It looked like Colorado or something. It was, it was really weird. It was, uh, once again, didn't inspect it in um, Africa. So we, we get set up, and we start glassing, and we're seeing everything but what we're looking for. And then we're once again, I'm sitting there. I'm eating a damn sandwich, which seems to be the, the tune of the last couple of days before. And he goes, oh, we got to go. Turkey or ham, first off? Oh, man. Let me get into these fucking sandwiches, right? Who knows? So. Eland sandwich? So it's, it's uh, I guess, turkey. But instead of mayonnaise or mustard, they put butter on their bread. Ah! Yeah. It was really weird. Okay, keep going. Butter, just, two yeah, scoops of sugar, a little bit of milk. Though. Yeah, I don't know how everybody in there's in that country skinny. But anyways, so we're looking for this bush buck, and we're like in this valley between two hillsides, and there's like this big ass river in there, and we're on one side, and he finds it across the other. And at this point, Martin and I have been around each other enough to where we're actually kind of bonding as buddies here since after five days of hunting together, and he. Uh, he gets me set up to make the shot, and I'm on some shooting sticks, and I'm, like, very fucking uncomfortable, and I probably shouldn't have made the shot, but I didn't want to let my buddy down. So I squeeze off the shot, and he's like, shit shot. I was like, fuck. Did that, like, knock you down a little bit? Oh, yeah. Self-esteem? Yeah. So Big shit time. shot means you missed, you missed. like, yeah. completely? Well, I know. I hit him. I just hit him. It hit him fucking. Bad spot. Hit okay. him back in the gut. Okay. Yeah. And luckily, this bush buck makes a couple steps forward and stops, and he's like, all right, shoot it again. Shoot and miss. Fuck. Bolt the gun. Shoot and miss. Bolt the gun. I'm out of ammo. At this point, Martin's like, hey, calm down. I was like, man, it got me all riled up and telling me I made a shit shot and whatnot. And me and him were talking for a few minutes, and then we find a spot where I can lay down on the gun and make the shot, hit him, perfect, kill him. And then it's another pack-out adventure down the fucking mountain or up the mountain and, down and one how, side up the other how big of an animal are we talking about it's not big it's um time. basically like those hill country whitetail that tanner massacred on my place in fredericksburg that was yeah. a good time four for four yeah he's four four for four yeah i mean maybe maybe a hundred pounds but where where he was was like almost a vertical climb to where i was like having to grab trees to come up and it was wet and muddy and it, it was it was fun it took us a couple hours and then You're from, one of very few people who would call that fun yeah. that I know. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah the experience. I, I said just, that kind of sarcastically. It wasn't that. I mean, it was fun, but it was, holy shit, it was a work. Yeah, once it was over with, you were just yeah. like, pumped. You yeah. Know? But we, uh, we go from there, and we clean up the, the bush buck, and then we go looking for a warthog. And we find these warthogs, and it's like – so Martin goes, usually up there by these pine trees, and these pine trees are like two and a half miles away. He goes, there's a little green spot of grass. There's always warthogs in there. And I'm looking at them in binoculars, and I can see like little gray specks in the green grass. And he's like, oh, yeah, there's warthogs. There's, there's three of them. And I was like, oh, shit, I can actually see those. But it wasn't very hard because there's only green grass within 15 miles. So he kind of pinpointed it for me. But we took like five hours to get around to where we could get to those 
warthogs. And we're making this stock, and it's so up and down vertically that I couldn't see them for the last 600 yards. And he's like, we'll just keep getting closer. At some point, we'll crest over and be able to see them. Well, the point where we crested over and be able to see him, I could have took that knife y'all were playing with earlier and stabbed one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was like knife. literally yeah, from go. me to the camera. <laughs> Probably not that close, but 20 yards. Did they spook? No, the wind was blowing right in our face. So that was that was the only animal that I don't took one shot on. Was it like 25 yards? <laughs> but, oh, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. But, but yeah. No, that was fun. And then um, got back to the woodland and drank a whole bunch of beer that night, ate some good food, and then – Woke up the next morning to more rain and wind, and um, we went and shot Bless Bach, which we wake up that morning. He's like, I know where some good ones are, and let's go get set up. So we find there's like a herd of like 20, and he's telling me, all right, you need to shoot this one. He's calling it out to me, and I'm calling back out the same thing, and I make the shot, and he goes, you missed. And I was like, uh, no, I didn't. And he goes, Oh, fuck, he shot the wrong one. <laughs> so I shot the wrong one. Oh, Even though he was telling me, and I was like, yeah, that one. He's like, yeah, it's facing left. I was like, yeah, facing left. And yeah, so I, this is day six. Yeah, this so is day six, six. Six days in, you think we're dialed in. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. So we think we're dialed in. He's like, you shot the wrong one. I was like, son of a bitch. So we go have lunch, and after lunch, he's like, hey, I talked to Carl. And it was, you know, miscommunication. He goes, would you like to go back and try to shoot a, a, a real one? Because the one I shot was not even remotely mature or big or anything. And I was like, God damn, I'm going to eat this one. You know, that sucks. I really wanted a blessed buck on the wall because they're real pretty. And uh, so we go back that afternoon, and the wind's blowing its ass off, and it's blowing from right to left, and we get up back on them, we find them. And I pull the trigger, and I shot the blessed buck square off in the ass. Oh, wow. Did he fall? And at this point, I'm just like, oh, he, he stayed up. And I'm just like... At this point, I'm just so deflated because I shot the wrong one that morning. I know I'm a better shot than this, and I shoot the wrong one this afternoon. Martin's like, hey, at least he'll be slow. <laughs> we, end up, we end up chasing him for like an hour and end up finally getting a good shot and killing him, and it was a really nice one. And so at this point, I'm sure Martin's thinking like, this guy here, because it's just progressively went downhill from yeah. each day, and I'm just can't figure out. I, I don't know if – what's going on with me at this point and obviously i'm not shooting my own gun and and you know so me in my mind i'm like not hyped on the gun oh, you're, you're maybe getting it's the gun. like deep into your head yeah like, fuck yeah so thank god it's towards the end of safari so we go to bed that night and it is just the most incredible lightning storm before bed that i've ever seen in my life i mean it's just this thunderstorm comes rolling in and it is absolutely just the coolest thing i've seen in a long time it's just fucking nonstop lightning and they actually put up a, a, a you would like this it's a they put a camera on a tripod but it's like a long time exposure long expo- exposure they on do a long lapse. exposure or they do a time lapse yeah they had it on right. time lapse but yeah. it was they got some incredible pictures yeah those are cool man. and um so this storm blows in and we go to bed and it's it's raining its ass off so we wake up in the morning and it's muddy it's nasty we've got like two hours before the next set of storms come through so he's like look what do you want to kill today? Like, let's 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 go see what we can find. It we might not find anything. It's been raining all night. Everything could be bedded. And this is your last day. This is my last day. And I said I really want a blue wildebeest. I think that would be a cool animal to have. And I shot the black wildebeest, so I wanted to have the the blue wildebeest and have the skull mounts together. 
So we go up on the plains, and as we're driving, and we're on this little two-track road going up there, and I see this thing going across the road, and I'm like, dude, was that a snake? But it's so cold outside. In my mind, I was like, it can't be a snake. And he goes, no, mate, that's an earthworm. I said, do what? He goes, yeah, it's an earthworm. And I'm like, that son of a bitch was seven foot long <laughs> and, and, and big around as a beer can. He goes, yeah, it's an earthworm. I said, the next one you see, I have to have a picture with it. So I don't know if I sent Porter or any other picture, but we find this earthworm, and I'm holding it, and it's, I say a beer can. It's probably like a, like a medium-sized dowel rod size, and I'm holding it up, and it's above my head, and, and it's, it's touching, touching the ground. Freaking worm? It's an earthworm. Fuck. Like a worm I'd <laughs> yeah. dig out of the like, like Like you would use to go catfishing, except you would cut this one up 15 times to use it to go catfishing. <laughs> God, dear God. Yeah. It was the craziest shit ever. What do you think about that, Porter? He, I, uh, was it girthy? It was girthy. <laughs> it was girthy. Okay. So, so anyways, we Good go two cents, Porter. We go find the uh, we go find a blue wildebeest, and it's windy. And once again, we're making a far shot, and I shoot, and he says, "Man, you hit it, but I don't know where, and it's going for thick cover." So, th- the whole time we're hunting, we have these two dogs with us, and they're mix of wire hair terrier and something else like maybe jack russell or something really cool dogs well one's named rocking one named muffin and their sole purpose is if somebody wounds something they're going to track it and bay it and you can go yeah. ahead and shoot it ramey was good at that yeah he was he was a good dog. and it was a uh, so this is where i was talking about elliot's tracking skills so we're on the plains and there i mean we've seen herds upon herds of different hardebees wildebeest gimsbach i mean bless everything and he goes, Martin goes, I'm going to send Elliot and the dogs. He's going to go around. We're going to work around this way. He's going to go on the track and try to find the track of where the, the uh, wildebeest was, where it went down in this canyon. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, there's no fucking way he's going to find these specific tracks of this one wildebeest amongst all these other animal tracks. We make our way around, we'll... I hear the radio go off, and it's Elliot talking to Martin, and they're talking in the other language. I don't have no clue what they're talking about, but uh, Martin goes, hey, he, he's about to let dogs loose. Let's go pull up over there. So we pull up over there, and, he, and Elliot goes, I found the track. It's right here. I'm going to let the dogs loose. So he lets the dogs loose, so we start following these dogs. And these dogs are on it. And I'm sitting there walking or running with the dogs with the gun. and You think look, there's a chance this, this animal might still be alive? Yeah, at this point, we're like, yeah, he's still alive. We're running. In my mind, I'm like, there's no way this is the, the same track of the same animal. Like, I mean, we're a half mile from where I shot him, so it's not like we saw him run down this trail or anything, and it's wide open country. And I'm running along, and I see this, this set of tracks, and the next thing I know, I start seeing blood drops. I'm like, you've got to be shitting me. He literally found the one animal's track a half mile away from where we last saw it with the blood, and the dogs are on it. Well, we get down in the bottom of this canyon, and they call it Cobra Canyon, and... I don't know why they call it Cobra Canyon because there's no cobras there. They don't have – the only snakes they have are kind of like uh, – they're, they're an adder that looks kind of like a rattlesnake. Yeah, puff adder. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. So we get down in Cobra Canyon and Muffin and Rocky bay this wildebeest. And Martin goes, just be ready. They, they will charge – he will charge us if it can. So I turn the scope down to two and a half and I'm just kind of like sitting there and – Rocky and Muffin are doing their job of keeping it distracted, and we get in about 15 yards. Well, we get in about 15 yards, and I couldn't get a shot because of the dogs. So Martin's like, hey, let's move around. 
So we go to move around, and the fucking wildebeest sees us and squares up and starts coming at us. And then either Muffin or Rocky jumps on it, kind of like grabs its back leg, and it gave it just enough time to stop and kind of look back. And when it looked back, I just threw the gun up, and it turned. I just put it on its head and pulled the trigger, and boom, down with the wildebeest. And it was fucking 10 yards from me. And I'm like, I'm like oh, holy shit, you Heart, know? Heartbeat. Just, yeah. And, um... Yeah, so that's how I ended Africa. It started pouring ass rain after that. And um, getting him out of the bottom of that canyon was an adventure. But we were at their home base, so they got on the radio and called in a bunch of help. And we kind of, like, cut it up and got it out. But it was just so muddy. And uh, that's that picture of me and the two dogs. And I'm I'm muddy. The dogs are muddy. The wildebeest is muddy. I mean, it's just nasty. And so uh, the rest of the time, I just drank beer and hung out and got ready to go back to the States. That seems like the trend. Yeah. Right. Oh, the end of this day, we uh, yeah. drank beer. Yeah, they had a pub. They called it the pub, and it was it was really cool. It was just a long bar. Had a little wood-burning sto- uh, fireplace called Stove, but um, that's where everybody kind of gathered and drank, and everybody you know had their drinks and visited and talked about their day, and then, you know, kind of one by one, kind of sneak off and go to bed. But um, a couple things there. They didn't have any uh, AC or heat, so... At night, they just had a little wood stove in the room that keep you warm, but they had little heating blankets. So you're always kind of toasty, but you'd wake up in the morning, and the worst part about it was I'd wake up in the morning, I didn't want to get out of the blankets because it was so cold in the room. So, I, and, you know, if I took a shower that night, it was so cold getting out of the shower. Yeah. Uh, Porter, sure. Porter would have liked it with all his uh, – I mean, Porter would have liked it with all his uh, – <laughs> With all his uh, cold plunges and stuff, and I know you do that now too. But. So, you th- is it more like a desert climate as far as the rapid changes in temperature? You think it like was it? I mean, it's an arid climate, but you know it, they typically don't have rain in May, but they've had a whole bunch this year. Um, I don't, I don't know how to explain it. It's, it's not like, it's not like Arizona or Nevada, but it, it's more like um, that transition you get kind of towards Abilene, I guess, is how I'd explain it. That Abilene Lubbock area where it's it's arid, but they get they get enough rain to where you know there's a little bit of moisture here and there. Yeah, I just I just feel like it's so strange when we leave our own area that the slightest drop in humidity makes us feel like we've oh. got it so much worse. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you leave Southeast Texas and it's 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 constantly humid, hot, cold. It's it's always humid. So our colds feel colder, our hots feel hotter. And then when we leave our area, yeah. we're we're in a place and we're like, oh, it's cold, but it's a dry cold. Oh, it's hot, but it's a hot. Yeah. It's a dry hot. It's you know, so hot. it's not nearly as bad as it yeah. is back home. And so it's just like trying to put that into perspective for yeah. where we are. It's just difficult, I, I feel like. My sinuses wreaked habit on me the whole time just because it was dusty at times before it yeah. started raining and, and, and dry. I was miserable. Dude, I No doubt. I, I, if anyone can relate to you, it's me. I went to the doctor the other day, and I was like, hey, man, how many times a day do you think you sneeze? And he was like, oh, you know, a handful, you know, five or six times. He's like, what about you? I was like, oh, you know, probably 100 plus. Yeah, yeah. And, Are you serious? I was like, yeah. And he's like, that's not normal. I'm going to prescribe you this. So, I was, you know, that's, that's every day. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, dude, one thing that I've really been wanting to ask you, and this is based off of um, – I listened to a, a Ramsey Russell podcast. I don't know if you're familiar with Ramsey Russell, but um, he's a big-time duck hunter, and he hunts all over the world. His his main squeeze is that it's always duck season somewhere. Somewhere, yeah. So he goes around and hunts. And <clears throat> one thing that he brought up on a podcast that I listened to was uh, the safari hunting. Mm-hmm. And earlier we were talking about, you know, your trackers are of local tribes, mm-hmm. right? So 
what I wanted to talk about, you know, kind of for the masses, and I know that this is something that, you know, I've always heard kind of growing up um, just as a a young kid that was getting into hunting and when safaris got brought up, you know, there's kind of a mainstream narrative when it comes to safari hunting that, oh, you know, you know, everybody, you know, from, from our side is, you know, just we're generally conservative people. Um, the narrative from our side is that, you know, we're benefiting those, those people and this, that, and the other. And over, over the course of time, of course, I've done my research and, uh, you know, I know what I know now, but do you, you know, for, for the average Joe out there that's, that's maybe heard that once or twice, you know, how, how do you think that you're, you going out there in safari hunting has, do you think it benefited the local area? You think it benefited the local people and the tribes and brought value to those communities because there was value in those animals because you're going out there and paying to hunt them yeah so i mean you're bringing in value obviously you're uh, the number one thing you're doing when you're when you're safari hunting is you're bringing value to the animal which gives the the tribes and the people there to a reason to conserve the animal right not to not to eradicate them or not to hunt them out of out of population so that brings value to the animal so it it helps the, the wildlife Two, I'm bringing dollars in. So, I mean, all those trackers and all those people involved in the staff at, at uh, John X, there's, you know, there's probably 60 people on staff there. All those people are getting an income based off of me coming and hunting or me and the people that I'm with coming and hunting. Um, also, we, you know, we didn't just stay in one place. We drove. So we, we were stopping and buying fuel. We were stopping and buying drinks and food and going in places. So, I mean, we, we, we brought value and we brought, in, I mean, income to these people. And, you know, there's, when we're driving on the roads up there, you see other hunters, and, and that is just a huge, huge influx of business for, for these tribes and these villages. And also, the animals that we're killing, we're eating quite a bit of it in camp. You know, a lot of it gets cooked in camp. The rest that's not cooked in camp goes to the, local, the locals. It also, some of it also gets sold um, by, you know, giving to the locals and they'll be able to sell it amongst themselves. And, and like and you said, like, in, yeah. in Africa, wild game is... is yeah, it's a commodity. I sell. mean, you can sell it. Yeah, it's not like in the United States where you can't sell white-tailed deer or anything else. It has, you know, there's no USDA guidelines like there is here. So, yeah, they're selling it. I mean, they're, they're making a profit off everything that I do. Yeah. That's, that's, that's always been a topic that, you know, early on, I, I just didn't know enough about for it to, you know, bother me whatsoever. But as I learned and then... As I saw, you know, like like people that just have no fucking clue what's going on, they just think, oh, killing's bad, don't do it. And, you know, the thought of, and, and this is especially prominent when it comes to exotics to the point of, like, like, like big-time exotics. The stuff you see in the zoos over here mm-hmm. in America, uh, giraffes, zebras, lions, mm-hmm. you know. They're like, oh, you know, it, the, just the thought of killing a giraffe or a zebra or a lion or anything along those lines yeah. is, to them, it's bad. Yeah. They have they have no they have no clue you know they have yeah. been born and raised in whatever area they are and I'm not gonna just sit here and just bash them you know they yeah. just they they're a product of their environment yeah. right so they're not brought up around these things but going back to what Ramsey Russell said and you know just kind of part of my research was was listening to him and his knowledge of of these things it's just you know like so put yourself in their shoes right so if you're in a village in Africa or in an area where lions are prominent and they're becoming a problem. Yeah. That that's not good for you. You're not going to have any value for that. It's, it's best for you to eradicate this animal, yeah. right? It's causing you tons of problems. You don't want it. You want to get rid of it. 
But then you have people coming from the United States who are willing to pay yeah. to come in and hunt this animal. So that's bringing, you know, that's bringing value to this animal and the conservation aspect of it to where you're saying, okay, hold up. You know, we, lions are not good for us. But on the other side of it, we have someone who's willing to come in and pay and bring value to our community, yeah. put money in our pockets, give us jobs. And so, therefore, we're going to try to conserve this animal and learn to live with it yeah. in a way that's going to benefit us, right? So, in layman's terms, that's just, yeah. you know, the best way that I can put it. And I, I know that the people that are on the other side of that argument are not probably not listeners of the Bayou Dragons podcast. But that's just something, man, that, that it just kind of fires me up a little bit. Yeah, no, and and I will say this. After seeing a, a lion in the wild, it is unbelievable how big that animal is. Yeah. I mean, it, its back is probably as tall as this bar. It, it's just huge. It's just a huge animal. And to imagine, you know, what one could do, not only to humans, but also to livestock. You know, mm-hmm. goats are a big deal. I mean, a lion could pick up a goat, no problem. I think a lion could pick up a, a small cow with no problem. It's such a big animal. So you get a, a pride of those lions in there. That, I mean, that could be a real problem. Now, I mean, I'm obviously not going to hunt a lion, but I did get to see one. I thought that was really cool. I just think, too, man, that there's with, – with the people that that are willing to go in and, and fight for that and say, you know, hey, if you want to hunt a lion, you're wrong, yeah. like flat-out wrong. You know, like there's so many other factors that you need to do your research on before you can make that statement. Yeah. You know, like – just completely like no matter what like the 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 first and foremost basic like argument i could think of is like you're completely disregarding reproduction you're all you're you're pretty much bashing hunters in a sense that says hey this this resource these lions this wildlife that you're going out and hunting is 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 gone if you shoot one they're gone like they can't reproduce or like they can't be uh managed in a sense that we manage our wildlife in the United States, you know, like it's just, there's, there's so many factors that don't get, you know, don't accounted for up, in no. these arguments. And, and there's just, there's just a way of, it's, it's almost an argument that gets brought up in a sense that says that hunters have done zero research. Yeah. We have not accounted for all of these things. You haven't thought of this, that, and the other. And well, in a conservation's our conservationists eyes, all of these things have been accounted for, and here's what we think the best way going forward would be to protect this animal. And mm. our stance on it being hunting, you know, in a way that that's yeah. something that we like to do. That's something that, um, you know, we believe is a part of our lives and that going forward we think would be better for the animal. Going back says, you know, we bring value to that, and therefore, um, you know, these areas have value in these animals. They want to conserve them more. So, I don't know, man. It's just something I wanted yeah, to bring yeah, up. No. That was a curiosity that I had, and you, and having seen that firsthand, I just wanted yeah, to Yeah, and talking to dig. Carl, too, about the lion hunting, and, and, you know, we obviously had many nights together and talked a lot. Um, all the lion hunting that's done is, is on a permit basis, and it's for a specific lion. So if you have a permit in that area, you're looking for the lion that's been kicked out of the pride, that's past his age, that's causing problems, one of those factors. Uh, is the line that they're going after. They're not just going after any line. They're going after a specific one for a specific reason, whether it may be so old that it's been kicked out of the pride or it's causing problems in the area is, is the way that, you know, he explained it to me. But one thing I will say about hunting with, with John X that I really appreciated was we didn't shoot anything young. We didn't shoot anything immature. We passed on hundreds of animals because they were 
either too young or not not mature enough. And everything we shot was in that upper age class. Like, uh, you know, my kudu I shot, they said it was probably 14 years old. My elan was probably pushing 14, 15 years old. Everything we shot was an older age class that was um, up to its prime or past its prime. So it's an animal that's, it's, you know, fulfilled its life's duties, and now it's on its downhill climb, downhill ascend, right? That's That was everything that we shot, um, except for the one where I messed up and shot the wrong one. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, no, it was – they were so, very big on conservation and very big on the mindset of even though we're out here – trophy hunting in a sense i hate to use that term we're looking for the best possible animal to take to 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 help the ecosystem all right so kind of transitioning off of what you said a minute ago like you shot the wrong one right and that was on a gimsbot no that, that was, was on, on a, a um blessed box blessed box yeah okay sorry i'm not very yeah. cultured in my in my box yeah. over there <laughs> but okay so i wanted to ask you um as far as uh, we talked about lions and we talked about these big uh, you know, for the United States people, stuff that they would see in, like, zoos, right? <clears throat> I want to know from your perspective, when you go over there, do you look at the wildlife and and think that, like, a lot of the animals that you're hunting, that there's not an abundance of them? I know you mentioned earlier that you're seeing hundreds, if not um, thousands of animals. Is yeah. there is there, like, do you go over there and you look at these animals and say, okay, there's an abundance of animals over here? Absolutely. Like, they They in a sense, need to be managed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, any given day, we would see 20-something-odd species of animals and anywhere from, you know, herds of five or six to 30 or 40 or even 60 um, animals in each little group. And I I would venture to say we saw in the thousands every day of of animals. And, you know, when we were up north in the mountains, we didn't see the uh, as much, but we still saw probably six to eight different species a day. And we saw quite a bit of each species, you know. I and mean, they might not be in such concentrated herds, but there will be a group of them here, a group of them there. I mean, and what do you what do you think? Like, just in a general sense, from what you saw, was the population density of people over there? Um, so the the population of density is very um, very sparse. Um, you had your farm homes, and then you had the kind of the communities that the farm homes were around, but the communities were pretty dense. There's quite a few people living in the communities, but when you spaced outside of that community, it was, there would be like one farm home here, and their, their land is so much bigger than ours. I mean, their, their average size ranch is 20-something thousand odd acres, so yeah. you know, you, you put 20,000 acres here, and you put 20,000 acres beside it, well, you have all this in between that's uninhabited yeah. and just raw actual ecosystem. I just kind of ask that question in a sense that I don't feel like um, that hunting over there is interpreted the same way that it is in the United States. Whereas that we're, we're, we're very blessed, you know, as a people, as a country where, you know, we can take, you know, and I've, I've been on hunts with a lot of people who um, could harvest, whether it's birds or our large game and could care less about, what the meat you know oh you take it oh i don't care you know i'm gonna clean i'm not gonna clean my birds like no dude give them to me i'll clean them i'm not you know it's just like it's yeah there there have been times um obviously i don't i don't hunt with with people who are gonna go and take their birds and throw them in a ditch like that's that's not what i'm about i want to take 
what I harvest, that's going to go on my plate. That's going to feed yeah. me. That's going to feed my wife. That's going to feed my son when he's old enough to eat actual food. <laughs> okay. But, you know, that's, that's, that's something that I was brought up on, you know, as a respect and uh, a repayment to Mother Earth. Like, you know, I, I have this commodity and it's been presented to me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat it yeah. and I'm going to take and, you know, and use this resource. Um, so I, I just, you know, I feel like in, you know, where we're at, you know, it's, it's more of, it's, it's kind of more sporty over here, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, this is—I mean, it's a way of life in Africa. Hunting is a way of life over there, and yeah. and it's it's very much ingrained in them. And you know, yes, we were trophy hunting, but in a sense that it, if I was really trophy hunting and they were really in the trophy hunting mindset, we wouldn't have spent seven hours getting the eland off the side of a mountain, or we wouldn't have spent seven hours getting the kudu. We'd right. just cut the head off, caped it, right. pulled it down, and rolled. So, I mean, we, we took our time. We wanted to make sure we got every part of that animal down that was that was that could be used. And even though I was paying to, to be up there and hunt, they made sure that that animal was respected and taken care of before we moved on to the next animal. That, that was their number one goal was once that animal was down, we're going to take care of this animal, we're going to get it in the cold storage, and then we're going to move on to the next one if we have time. Yeah. And that was just... Like I said, that's something I want to touch on, man. There's there's such a a strange uh, environment built around safari hunting, and you know, as as far as the research that I've done and the people I've talked to, um, admittedly, most of them have been safari guides or hunters. Um, so you know, in a sense, you you know, if somebody came from the other side, you know, I would only have perhaps one one side, one yeah. side of the story. Yeah. Um, but maybe that's the best side. You know, those are the people that are in there and doing it, and this yeah. other side doesn't have that information. They don't, they don't see it boots on the ground, and maybe if they did, they would understand. Um, so I just kind of wanted to bring yeah. that up. And but One other thing I wanted to say is bringing value back to the animals like we talked about earlier. By us coming there and hunting, it makes those landowners who are benefiting getting dollars for us shooting the animals as well as getting the meat. It gives them an incentive to – take care of the wildlife on their property even though yes, they're running cattle absolutely. and goats these animals compete with the cattle and goats but they're taking care of those that wildlife because they're going to get paid for it yeah. or they're going to get to have the meat from the honey yeah and that's that's full circle back to like kind of the first point that we talked about um going in and doing that brings value to that animal that area the people in that area and and everything in between yeah go ahead okay and um yeah, so so one other thing I wanted to ask, just kind of, we'll, we'll transition back to a lighter note, so I don't keep hitting you with the hard hitters. But yeah. was there ever a point, man, where you're you're out and about, and you know you're completely out of your element, right? You're you've been transplanted into Africa from Southeast Texas, and you're with all these guys who know this landscape, know this area, know these animals. Did you ever feel like you were a little kid at some points when they're telling you, like you said, you were glass and you're looking everywhere, and you're like, I can't see shit, and these guys are telling you, like, oh. Gimspot, there's a kudu, there's this, that, and yeah. the other, and you're looking around, you're like, what the hell? Yeah, no, there was a there was a, a humbling, it was a humbling experience for me for sure. I mean, I felt totally out of my place, and then you know, there was like highs and lows. So I, I, at one point, I was finding everything and glassing and doing good, and the next point, I was just like, I can't see shit, and and I can't find anything, and and then obviously with the shooting, that was highs and lows, and. Uh, definitely when I go back, I'm bringing my own gun. Not that it was Martin's gun. It was not Martin's gun, but it would, 
I would think I would have had a little bit more confidence in myself. Yeah, knowing I had my gun. And you'll know you'll know next time you go to haven't done it now, because um, and I asked that question out of a, a place where I've felt that way before, and just you know doing hunting that I felt like I would go out and excel at. Um, with the experience that I have here in Southeast Texas, you know we're blessed with our opportunities. We have um, we have a lot of federal land we can hunt on. We have a lot of opportunity down here. Going up to like <clears throat> Montana, Canada, doing all those hunts, you know, and I feel like I should be the guy, right? If I'm gonna go up there and hunt geese, uh, big geese, you know, like I, I ought to be that guy. I've, I've put the hours in. I've done this, that, and the other, and. I go up there and I have no idea. I'm like, dude, and I'm following, you know, somebody who's taking the lead and I'm like, man, I'm completely out of my element. You know, it just, it, yeah. it, it kind of, it, like you said, it, it humbles you. Um, but when I go back and do it again, I will be that guy. You yeah, know what I mean? No, no, absolutely. I mean, that's, you know, that's me starting off hunting in Montana or wherever else, you know, out West. It was when I first started doing it, I was just like a little bright-eyed kid and was kind of lost and didn't know if I was doing what I should be doing right and then after doing it for one year and following somebody who knew now I can go up there and I can bring you or I can bring Andrew I can bring anybody with me you mean Porter yeah Porter I'm sorry Porter, yeah. yeah uh and bring anybody with me and now I'm the guy who's going to be able to show them how to do it right and I think that's going to kind of be the same for Africa I'm going back in February but I'm doing a, kind of a different hunt than what I'm going Cape Buffalo hunting, which is kind of in close big bore gun. Oh yeah, I'm I'm doing that in February, and it's going to be warmer, and, and I'm I'm really looking excited. I'm really looking forward and excited to do that because that that after seeing the Cape Buffalo, I was like, yeah, I'm coming back and doing that. So. You gotta go. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Porter. So I want to backtrack a little bit. Okay. So you said you shot a warthog, correct? Yep. Okay, so let let's uh, let's define that. So here in Texas, we do uh, helicopter hunts, mm-hmm. thermal. We do uh, rice fields, so yeah. we uh, it's all suppressed. So it it it's pr- it's it's easy here, right? Mm-hmm. So l- let's uh, let's define how um, warthog hunting is in Africa, right? So you're you're hunting in. Now, I'm not going to say a blind, but you're you're almost like in a river bottom. And then, what what does the pH say whenever whenever you see the uh, the monkeys coming up first? What's <laughs> yeah. what's behind them? So, so yeah. that, that's that's actually pretty interesting for people that don't understand or haven't heard the story or what's going on. It, it's 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 pretty interesting. So if you could give a little quick, yeah. So that that's the typical. What you're explaining is kind of like the typical warthog deal in africa mine was completely atypical yeah so what andrew was talking about is kind of like the the typical you're down in the lower elevations and typically when you're warthog hunting you you have all this when you're in that little condensed area you have monkeys and everything else to deal with my warthog hunt was completely atypical oh totally 180 from what you were explaining see that that's that's what everybody needs to hear right there. yeah because so just just the uh the fact that if there's something different that nobody understands and nobody that that's what we need to hear that's so what, that's what we want like my warthog was at 6200 feet of elevation in the top of this big ass drainage um <laughs> and it was drainage at 6200 <laughs> feet jesus I yeah mean, that's, that's that's where it's it's off at it's I'm like not it, saying you're i wrong. say, I I say just, at the he was at the very head of where this drainage started and it worked its wild. way down I mean, and where he was at 
was this big patch of green grass in the corner of a barbed wire fence. It's just like a barbed wire fence you find here in Texas. And I asked after we got up there and shot him after I almost had a freaking heart attack walking up the side of this <laughs> hill because I'm a flatlander from southeast Texas, used yeah. to zero elevation. I think right now my watch is negative 79 feet. But um, that's why Porter House floods. We, <laughs> so I'm sucking wind. We get up there and we shoot it. And then I ask Martin, I said, hey, you said something about this green grass. You said there's probably going to be a warthog up here. And I said, this seems totally different than anything I've ever seen or watched or heard about warthog hunting. And he goes, the big males will run their little herd or harem of females up here to keep them away from all the other competition. And he said, but actually, you had four, four, four boars um, in this group. There was four of them. I shot the biggest one out of it, which we were trying to do that. But he said these were all old boars that have been pushed out of the bottom where the breeding goes on and been pushed up here on top. That's why they're up here. And I said, well, get back to this green grass. Why? Everything else out here is brown and dead and arid and ugly. Why is this big old patch of green? It looks like a food plot. And he goes, so when it gets cold in the winter and the wind blows from a certain direction, all the cattle push up on this corner. And this is just fertilized grass for, for all, yeah, for yeah. where they sat for several hours. This yeah, is where they wow. hung out, yeah. So that's why the, the warthogs are in there eating that green grass. But so my hunt was totally atypical from what it was, but it was it was. It's Martin just, knew they were there because it's perfect time for the year. Yeah, yeah. Like the time of the year. The time yeah, he 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 knew that from doing all his pH and over the years that there's usually a big boar two or three or four they get pushed up out of the bottom and they're living up here because they're not going to go back down because they're getting to the point where they're past their prime which goes back to the taking animals that are at their prime or past their prime that are mature yeah yeah perfect explanation right there you keep uh, saying ph and it goes back in my in my brain of uh working in the plants for yeah. years and years man <laughs> yeah. i'm thinking about Pro- professional base. hunter and that's another thing too like in the U.S., anybody can be a guide, or especially in Texas. I know Montana has a program where you have to have, like, an outfitter's license or whatnot. But in Texas, I can go, oh, my name's Ryan Warhol, and I'm a duck hunting guide, or I'm a deer hunting guide, or whatever. In Africa, it's literally like a four-year program, from what I understand, where you have to actually take tests and get your license before you can actually bring people hunting. Yeah. That's very strenuous. Yeah. You have to be a badass yeah, before you You got to prove your- it, man. That's crazy, man. Um, well, shit, Tanner Porter, y'all got any? Uh, well, you know you got what? anything else for Ryan? I'll tell you what. This is a this is a good segment, and uh, I'm glad yeah, we man, to do this with you, Ryan. I'm really uh, I've really enjoyed hearing about it because I have seen all the photos you've been sending over. Yeah. I haven't got to talk to you uh, too incredibly much. I know you had a uh, a little slump there for a minute when you, once you made it back yeah so, yeah um, a little adjusting you know, issue yeah i mean wanted wanted to give you your space but i'm glad we yeah. got you out here uh and got to have you on another episode one thing i didn't mention is the entire time I, I, we said his name altus my cameraman we talked about it but i will have a full from day one to day seven every kill every hunt every thing in between on video and an edited video that's going to be on youtube at some point so yeah Oh, yeah. Y'all make sure to check that out. I don't know what channel you're going to post that on, but you can well, be sure to see some clips on the Bayou Dragons yeah. Instagram reels, and then, and then no doubt. I'm not, actually, I'm not going to end up post. I mean, I'll be able to give it to y'all to post. I'm not going to post it, but uh, John X will post it first, and then we'll be able to, Bayou Dragons will be able to post it if they want to on their deal. So, so do you know what his channel is called? Is it John X Hunts? 
I want to say it's John X Hunts, yes. Yeah. I John X say Hunts. Pretty, I'm pretty sure it's John X Hunts. John yeah. X Hunts on YouTube if you guys want to <laughs> see yeah. um, any of the uh, any of the footage from all of this this stories that we've been telling and Ryan has shared with us. It'll be there, man. Yeah. One thing I will say if anybody's out there who ever thought, you know, Africa was too expensive, Africa's too far, Africa's whatever. It it's it's as expensive as you want to make it. You could go have an awesome safari and shoot 10 animals for sub $10,000. You'd never do be able to do that in the United States. Um, you can make it whatever you want to make it. It's not hard to get there. There's several airlines that, you know, there, there's one layover. Um, I flew Qatar Airlines. I went from Dallas to Qatar, Qatar to Johannesburg, and then a small plane from Johannesburg to Port Elizabeth. But it, it wasn't – the travel wasn't bad. It was long flights, but it wasn't bad. Um, once you get there, it's – 100% completely safe. Never felt unsafe the entire time I was there. Didn't have to take any shots to go there. There was no malaria, no chloria or any of that, or cholera COVID. or whatever. Yeah. No COVID. No, no COVID, no nothing. Um, everybody there was completely, completely awesome, completely nice. Um, not at one point that I feel like I was going to, you know, in trouble or not safe. So everything you hear about it being unsafe country and all that, I, that's, I think that's just uneducated people who, you know, who haven't been. Yeah, it's a it's a strange thing. Um, Africa, it's it's so exotic to most people's ears, and myself included. Having done the the Texas Trophy Hunters, which was just recently bought out by the Safari Club, I get to talk to a lot of those people now when I yeah. do the shows, and I've been blown away with the education that I've received just talking to those people, and and it's so much different than what I would have thought in my head just growing up as a kid. You know, hearing about all that and exotics and. Yeah. It's 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 a whole nother world, man. And there's there's a lot to be learned from that. And you know, it's 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 just as conservation minded as any anything we do over here. Yeah. Um, as, as exotic as it seems to the average Joe, that's that's normal for them over there. You yeah. Know, so no, it's it's big hunting culture. And you know, I told myself I was going to go, be one and done, never go back. I'm already booked back in February, and I heard one of the PHs tell another hunter who was in camp this and it makes it just it just kind of resonated with me he said uh you know it said once the dust of africa or the dirt of africa gets on the soles of your shoes you always want to come back and that is 100 percent true like i was not going to come back i was going to be one and done and now i'm already booked back for february thinking about booking again for 2025 like i did i remember you addiction. telling me yeah. one and done when i went to your house yeah. before you even left so as a there's that's a testament right there to him but yeah. um We'll go ahead and wrap it up, man. Ryan, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank y'all. We really appreciate having you on for another episode. And Porter, Tanner, it was a good one, man. We'll see you guys on episode 36. Episode 48. <laughs> this was 36. Episode 37. Beautiful.